Merry Christmas, Boomers! Welcome once again to another bumper-sized, seasonal, special episode of Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. Just rolls wow. off the tongue these days. That's amazing! <laughs> we are the humans who think we're in charge, and I do feel pretty in charge of it today after that. My name is Chris <laughs> McFeely. And I'm Dave Bulmer, and... I haven't told Chris this, but we have a special guest this episode, because it's a Christmas episode. Here he comes! Yes, it's me! Father Christmas! Oh ho! Oh ho! Ding dong merrily on high! I'm wrapping presents for boomers! Hello! Okay, that's all from me, I'm going again, but... <laughs> Bye! <laughs> I didn't even get to say hello. I know what would be better. Uh, ding dong, merrily on high. I'm wrapping boomers' presents. There we go. You can splice that in. I can. Oh, I, hundreds of years and I haven't got that right until today. <laughs> hello, Chris. Are you having a happy Christmas? When does this episode come out? Is it to be around Christmas? Oh, uh, yeah. Let me, uh, I had that. Oh, 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 hello. December 18th, a week before. Oh, okay. It's going to be Christmas soon. I'm getting ready for it. Okay, that's all. I haven't read this comic, so I'm going to go again and be you to it. But happy Christmas anyway. Ha happy Christmas, Santa. Uh, yes. How about that, boomers? I yes. mean, can any other podcast <laughs> boast such a guest of renown? No, exactly. It's an exclusive. I thought I'd only drop into this my favorite podcast. There's wow. no sensible reason why it would be my favorite podcast, but you know, I quite like Reply All. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to put something on while I'm wrapping presents. Okay, bye! <laughs> wow! Father Christmas! Can you believe it? Goodness I can't. me! I should have given his beard a tug to see if it was real. I can't believe he had the spare time, to be honest. So busy no, around this time of year. I know. Still, it's all right for him. He doesn't have to do episodes about all those poster mags and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got the rest of the year off to fit them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the cover of this issue then, Dave, while I recover from my celebrity encounter. Okay, well, the cover is quite a good one. I like this one. Who's it drawn by, do you think? I can never figure it out. It's Carl Flint, isn't it? Of course it's Carl Flint. And it's Robotnik trying to stuff himself down a chimney and he can't fit because he's too fat and he's looking really <laughs> cross and he's got icicles coming off of his moustache and his nose is tickly too and the chimney is like cracking around him and bricks have fallen off and Sonic is doing a cheeky... He's Sonic and Tails have come up a ladder and there Sonic's pointing at him and going, just what I wanted for Christmas. And I never noticed this in like the olden days, but looking at it now, mm. Robotnik's got a sack of presents because what he's doing here is... The reason he's stuck in the chimney is he's just trying to deliver evil presents. Yeah. There's three things poking out of his sack. One is like a sea mine. You know, it's like a big ball with spikes on it. Is that a sea mine or is that just a mace? I don't know. It's just, well, I mean, he drops them from the egomatic and badniks shoot them all the time, don't they? So yeah, that's the thing. Those jobs, whatever it is. But then the other thing he's got is two Christmas crackers with telltale lit fuses coming out of them. So they're actually, you know, dynamite in there or something. That's quite a good joke and I like it. Yeah, I didn't really notice that one at first. When I saw no, it, 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 it was like, I've never noticed that before. <laughs> 
either. And then all of that illustration kind of stops at the midpoint of the page for all the logos and stuff. But there's some extremely crude Tipex snow, uh, which <laughs> makes me wonder if someone who wasn't the artist added them afterwards to make it be snowing. Because that is Tipex. <laughs> Blobbed unevenly on the cover of whatever issue this is. Yeah, we didn't say. This is issue 42, the second of the two super-size Christmas issues. We had issue uh, 41 last time. Yeah, this came out on December 24th, the day before the day. Well, I never. And that means that this would have been the issue of STC that I would have had at what is one of my happiest Christmases ever, I think. Bless. This was an epic Christmas. I'll tell you about it as we go forward, but yeah. <laughs> this was the Christmas I remember what I got. I've said many times I got Mega Bomber Man. Yeah! But this issue has extra pages, Fabo Compo, Fabo um, Compo, special stories, Mega Pinups, Christmas goodies, a chance to win a VIP day out at Sony Psygnosis, oh, Danger, Robotnik in Own Shock Story, plus all your festive STC superstars. Yeah! And, and, as if that was not enough, this is drowning in cover copy, free, more Badnik spotter cards! Yes, but sadly, readers, neither of us has access to the cards. No! But it doesn't matter, does it? Because they weren't very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) You think you would remember more clearly those things, but whenever you had them to hand last issue, it was like, oh, no, these actually... Yeah, they're not very interesting or informative at all. These meant nothing to me. I will have cut them out. I will have put them straight in my Sonic box. Oh, I haven't looked in my Sonic box to see if they're in there. So perhaps I will. They're probably in the box of secrets. Probably. So perhaps I'll have a look before we, uh, you know, put this one out. But, uh, ah, who cares? You know, they're just going to be more pictures of badniks. Not actually much to remark on in Megadroid's Welcome. It's nearly Christmas, so obviously that dominates the bulk of the conversation. An early Crimbo present from us to you, he describes the issue as. Although I I was surprised to see, when he talks about the free Badnik spotter cards, that that's Mm -hmm. it. That's the end of Series 1. My memory was that there were several of them, but I guess I'm just playing wrong. I think I must have been thinking of the stickers. Mm, Yeah, it must have been. And he calls it Series 1.0, because that's that's how you sound all up to date, isn't it? 1.0. technological, yeah. Yeah, still a bit that uh, some people are doing, calling things 1.0. We need to move on from that. You would sort of take it as the implication that there were going to be more, not that yeah. there ever were. Nope. To my knowledge, anyway. Not that I can remember, no. And then it does say something that you assured me of, but uh, here it is in, well, not black and white, purple and white. <laughs> Next issue, STC reverts to its regular 32-page size, but packed with more excitement than ever. And the good news, it's still only pound fifteen because this issue here, and presumably the last one, is pound fifty. Yeah. So it went up for the bumper size, and then it's gone back down again, and that... Strikes me as perfectly appropriate. Yes. Put out a big bumper thing at Christmas, why not? I don't know if they'd ever did it again. No. But, I mean, I think we pretty much ascertained that, although there's a pretty huge 1995 on the way, in terms Mm. of the stories that the comic will be telling, it does seem like 1994 was kind of peak year for STC. It was the year of Sonic the Poster Mag running parallel through it throughout the year. Yep. It was the year of the first summer special, the Eternal Champions special. 
Yep. And two double-sized Christmas issues. Mm. Like, a lot of stuff that just simply wouldn't happen on this scale again. We get some more summer specials over the mm, years. Yeah, yeah. That'd be it, like. Yeah. As we come to the end of peak year, we reflect and realise. <laughs> yeah. Peak content year. I think I'm going to prefer next year because it's going to have some epic, epic stories oh, in yeah. it. And it isn't going to have any of those extra things that we also have to do extra work covering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't had to do any extra work in the last six months or so. No, it's been a while. Although that has been because we've been putting it off so that we can do it over Christmas. So we'll see how we fare. Yes. <laughs> the in the charts again, another... Full Royal Flush, we got Sonic 1 at position 4. We've got Sonic 2 at position 3. We have Sonic 3 at position 8. That's gone down. And still at number 1, Sonic and Knuckles. A non-mover. Yeah! And then we've got Urban Strike at 2. We've got Robocop V Terminator re-entering at 9. Mickey Mania at 10. Mortal Kombat 2 at 7. And new at 5... The Lion King. I mean, that just goes to show you how far behind these actually are, doesn't it? Because we're only seeing The Lion King enter now, yeah. And FIFA, all the way down to six, a non-mover, so it was there last time. Ha ha ha, Yabu <laughs> sucks. <laughs> you put it down to the Christmas build-up, don't you? Yeah. When the good, cool games are actually being bought, finally. Which is yeah. so different to now, which is try and bring these things out, almost, for them to be bought at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that may be our opinion slightly colouring it who knows if that's really the case but (laughs) ice cap attack part two written by lou stringer art by mike hadley colours by john m burns and letters by steve potter Sonic and Knuckles discover Robotnik's new Ice Cap Zone base and smash their way inside, but immediately find themselves trapped by a heat beam prison. Robotnik gloats and shows off his interzone teleportation technology, which he plans to use to launch surprise attacks on Mobius. But the speech gives Knuckles the time he needs to burrow a tunnel out of the prison, and the two heroes proceed to smash Robotnik's badniks and his portal machine, while the evil doctor himself escapes. His truce with Knuckles at an end, Sonic hops through the portal back to Mobius and reunites with his chums to celebrate Christmas. This is quite a fun one, isn't it? It's enough to make you forget the bird. It's disposable, but um, it's like we've commented in the past how Stringer is still getting a handle on Sonic's personality and exactly how he should interact with Tails. And a lot of that seems to fall more on the Tails side when really dumb sh** comes out of Tails' mouth. But he's really got the whole Sonic Knuckles thing down out of the gate, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I don't know if he's even really written Robotnik before, but I really like his Robotnik too uh, like whenever sonic and knuckles come smashing in through the wall and they realize it's robotnik big shock robotnik space is this big sort of well i was going to call it an ice fortress because it looks like that from outside but it's just a mechanical base outside that seems to be like uh camouflaged with an ice dome or something anyway they come smashing inside big gaping hole left in the wall and he's on this little elevated throne and he says close the door behind you peasants it's quite chilly <laughs> out and i'm like I like it. I got a couple of things that I spotted on the first page that I want to bring up. Number one is that Sonic calls Knuckles Curly again. I thought you'd zoom in on that one, all right, yeah. So apparently Lou just wants to call Knuckles Curly at all possible opportunities. His his dreads (laughs) are looking a little curlier in that panel, They are looking a little bit curly, yeah, like something out of the old Skips adverts. (laughs) 
you notice anything? Yeah. All that fizzing and melting. He skips to something else. Hey, and it got dark with. Skips. Snacks with special effects. And then they come... I like the bit where, at the end of the page, they come across the fortress, and it is this big ice crystal egg. What it looks like is an Easter egg, basically, but made of ice oh, yeah. instead of chocolate. It's got all of the... Didn't really make the uh, the egg comparison, but you're right. Ah, uh, well, you see... Uh, well, I'll tell you why I, why I did. I, by the way, on the subject of Easter eggs, I'm fairly brand loyal to the After Eight Easter egg. I like a bit of minty Easter egg for some reason. They're thick and chunky. You know, obviously, give me a good... Good chunky hotel chocolate one if your pockets are bulging, but an After Eight Easter egg is my general favourite one. And as a result of this, this is the one that's always got for me. I'm not big into chocolate, so that's the egg I get at Easter, and that's all I get. So I don't know if other Easter eggs have this sort of hexagonal, chunky sort of patterning. Would you say they do? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. No, that's basically the standard pattern of the Mm. Mars Mm. company brand Easter eggs. Cadbury's will have the little logo and the little stippling, a little rippling around where the two halves link right. together. But but you know that crazy paving yeah. look. That's yeah. No, that's I, yeah. That, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Depicted here in ice. The reason why I know that it's egg shaped is because as soon as they get there, Knuckles goes, "Well, that wasn't there before. It's not a natural formation. It looks man-made." And Sonic says, "Yeah, I've got a pretty good idea who it was made by." And I read that as acknowledgement that it's a big egg. That it's shaped a big like, egg. See, I just read it as a... <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I can't believe we get that much mileage after that one <laughs> reference nobody gets. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that, like, as far as I'm aware, no other version of Sonic since STC ended would ever have Robotnik making egg-related things, even though now his name has been changed to be an egg-related name. You'd think yeah. that he'd be all about making egg-shaped stuff these days, and now it seems relegated purely to, like, quite old... STC, I would have said older than this, but here it seems to still be going. We all knew eggs and egg... Well, I suppose the egg puns aren't as thick as they used to be, are they? They're not, and we're going to get some later this issue, but that's another story. Quite literally. (laughs) And really, the death egg is kind of the... Well, maybe it's not. Maybe as we go forward, I'll find there's loads of egg stuff. But that's as I remember it, that the death egg kind of became... It's the big one. Yeah. I mean, the thing that always got me about the death egg is it's not bloody (laughs) egg-shipped. Not anymore. It was earlier in STC. Uh, yeah, because they were logical about it. But but <laughs> even, I mean, once once there was an actual visual game design for it, yeah, I mean, that probably speaks to it, doesn't it? Is the fact mm. that even though he was always Eggman over there, and they called his big round ship the Death Egg, and these, I mean, what do they call them? They, they call his robots Egg Pawns a lot of the time these days. Yeah. And everything, but they don't look like eggs, and not shaped like eggs, and they never were. And it was yeah. only STC that actually really tried to make something of the whole egg theme it makes me wonder if there is some cultural thing in japan where to them they just think of eggs as round in a way that we think of eggs as egg shaped like because robotnik (laughs) has never been egg shaped his sprite was a perfect circle no i mean i mean the little head he's yeah it gives you the aspect yeah it's it's definitely yeah it's not ovular he's not ovular he's not ovoid yeah but he comes to a peak <laughs> the yeah, classic <laughs> design <laughs> anyway anyway um love the psychedelic designs on the pipe arch that robotnik's got going around his throne you know it's it's very lava lamp 
looking and it's trickier to draw than it looks here <laughs> you expect it to be an ice fortress on the inside based on the outside yeah. sort of but it's not it's it's quite spartan to be honest it looks like it's basically just this arch and throne in the middle of an otherwise glass or ice dome well that's it i've been calling it ice but looking at it here as they've smashed through it it looks yeah. more like glass doesn't it yeah it's, I mean, that's what it actually seems to be and i'm not sure mm. if the arch is supposed to be the I don't think it is, but I thought at first that it was supposed to be the teleporter, the gateway. You know how, like, something yeah. like that may have an arch design to it. But yeah. um, I don't think it is. No, I think it's really get a good look just at an it. interesting design for something for him to sit in, I, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's Actually, it's a fascinating design. You can kind of... Now I'm looking at it more carefully. You can sort of see the stairs that he would go up to get to his throne, which is only kind of clamped on in on one side and maybe round the back in an ambiguous way. It's a very interesting non-symmetrical design well you see you're assuming that's all part of the same thing and i'm yes. not ah what are you assuming that swirly tube on the left looks like it could just be like part of the wall a support strut the you know the, the arc that yes, the dome is built that over. keeps the shape of the dome yeah, yeah yeah you're probably right there whereas yeah there's these little tiny tiny steps up to his weird sort of well it's like a chair inside of a claw. Hmm, <laughs> a sort of a clampy looking thing. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. In fact, it kind of looks as if Mike has sort of forgotten to draw where the chair it connects to anything. exactly, right? Yes. Yeah. He's drawing a nice rear view Robotnik. After we've seen Richard Elson have some trouble with it in previous issues, like on the next page there, he's really got the hair coming out of the lip of the nostril just nice, so it doesn't look nearly as hideous as those rear views that Elson served up. Well, the problem is he has in that one picture, but then if you go to the next two pages, he's kind of copying the Richard Elson drawing. right enough. Well, yeah. And I think he is copying it because it's got the same little neck ripples as well. The hot dog neck, yeah. The cool car cats. Actually, didn't we yeah. say that last issue? He really seemed to have some Richard Elson art that he was referencing. A lot of splayed palms. Oh, yeah, you did. Not so obvious this time around. Well, that shot there of Sonic crashing headlong into the ice dome. That, that's a very Elson-y shot. Uh, yeah. Or charging at the dome, rather. In fact, it all is. Yes, I think he's... Yes, I think he's got quite a lot of Elson pages laid out. I mean, the bit where you see Knuckles digging through the floor and it's the same arms out to the side, oh, yeah. three <laughs> arms per yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that is. panel of Knuckles after they've come up out of this heat beam that Robotnik traps them in. They're burrowing their way out. and Badnik, stop them! And Knuckles is there. I mean, he, he looks haggard, but he's just been digging. He's just dirty from digging. Yeah. But it's him, and he goes, you, stop yeah. us. And Sonic's like, just try it. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know, it just gets me going. It's like, yeah, they're going to kick some ass now. <laughs> in the next panel after that, have you noticed in Knuckles' speech, there's a stray editing mark? Through yeah, four lines that down. is, yeah. Looks like a cursor. It, uh, yeah, it does, the, yeah. Oh, well. Just because I managed to set us free doesn't give you cause to look so miffed. <laughs> Don't push it, Echidna. Miffed. Miffed, right? <laughs> I have no complaints about the art anywhere in this strip, except... Except I don't like the big, wide-faced lion child running away in Robotnik's little imagination of when he attacks the zone. Yeah. He's always had a bit of trouble up to this point um, with the animal friends. That lion, that wide-faced lion, it's not just that it's kind of sort of unmoored. Like, it doesn't seem to have a shape I can read very easily. So it just looks like a, a you know, eyes and nose and mouth. Mm. Except that they do resemble 
that bloke who for a while made bank on the fact that he could pull this one face he was like the gurning champion and there was a do you remember do you remember there was a bongella advert that was him and he was like eating dinner at a restaurant and then he went like and his mouth did exactly what this guy's mouth is doing it doesn't ring a bell offhand though to be honest and he went mouth ulcers try bongella well that sounds familiar but i can't imagine the visual it just it's not yeah yeah nothing is exactly where it should be on a symmetrical head <laughs> Well, same. But um, we have seen Hadley have some problems with the um, the animal friends before. I mean, every artist kind of has had their struggles with the animal friends, to be honest. Like, sometimes they just draw animals, and then mm. other times they try and draw them in the sonic style. Even Elson has struggled a little bit, where he just tends to draw people with human bodies and an, an animal head. And, um, I mean, we'll see some terrible examples of it later in this issue from Hadley again. But we'll see some very nice examples of it from Carl Flint. Yeah. Just for you, I've found the picture of the man I'm referring to. I bet I'll recognise him. I, I, I bet I have the mental image. Oh, no, no. Don't know who that is. But I see what you're saying now, yes. <laughs> God, isn't it amazing what you could make money doing before the internet? <laughs> I do like this little bit just whenever, you know, but we have the big fight. They beat all the badniks. They smash up the interdimensional portal technology robotniks using. Sonic hops through and Knuckles is like, our truce is over. Do not trespass on my floating island again. Yeah. And it's like, I re- I, I, as I was saying, I just think Stringer really got the deal between these two characters yeah. right away. And Sonic's like, well, that suits me, but I take it you won't be joining us for Christmas then. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it satisfying to see that happening so many times? Like, I can't really remember exactly whether Knuckles ever just becomes a normal person they know, but I love that, at least for now, they are keeping up this, like, no, seriously, I really am trying not to get involved in any of this Dr. Robotnik Mobius sh- that you guys have got going on. I don't think there's ever truly a switch flip moment because our Knuckles is still... He'll always be the floating island first type. Mm. The relationship improves a bit, but, um, you know, that's... How many times have we said it before? You know, that's our Knuckles. That's That's our our Knuckles! Knuckles. (laughs) (laughs) I just find that a fairly satisfying story. It's a Christmassy thing, and it ends in the lovely way where they look out of the camera and say... Merry Christmas, everyone. Sonic is kind of... You could read it that he's saying it to his friends. But no, I think the comic's saying it to us. He's got the tails in the back, giving us a thumbs up with a Merry Christmas balloon in his hand. (laughs) And Sonic says, Merry Christmas, everyone, with a special balloon writing. Everyone except egg-shaped bad guys, that is. Amy coming in there with the mistletoe, but looking vaguely threatening as she does so. Yes. (laughs) Hard to... And I'm going to say this, and this is going to be a bad sentence that's going to lead us down a bad path, so we have to mutually agree between us not to pursue it any further once I say it. Hard to make a Sonic the Hedgehog character have a seductive expression on their face. Which is what they've attempted to do with Amy here. And that will be all we will say about that. Review Zone! (laughs) Review Zone! Yeah. Oh, just before we jump to the review zone, I was taken aback by the next issue tag on here. The Bridge of Doom is next issue story. And mm. it's just that I remember that's essentially chapter zero of the Sonic and Knuckles stuff. Really? You know, it's some seed laying for the Death Egg. And it's like, mm. oh, blimey, Charlie. We're there. <laughs> we're, we're here now. We're on the cusp of it. We're practically at 1995 and it's freaking me out. Mm. Let's... Dip into the review zone and try and calm back down. <laughs> <laughs> review zone! 
We've got a three-page long review zone, an extra bumper-length one. We've got Earthworm Jim for the Mega Drive. We've got Power Rangers for the Mega Drive. Uh, they're all for the Mega Drive. Lion King and Mickey Mania, the Timeless Adventures. And uh, we have reviews from Jenny Fromer, David Gibbon, and Nick Prats. We weren't sure if we would be seeing anybody other than uh, Gibbon at this point after the last couple of issues, but not good to see uh, Fromer all and here. Prats in here again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't written down anything to say about any of it. No, this is the thing. Which ones have we played? I played Earthworm Jim but never owned it. I played Earthworm Jim 2 because I did own it. Mm, yeah. Not the first one, though, weirdly. Power Rangers never played Power Rangers, weirdly enough, even though I was a big Power Rangers fan. I think I was just not a big fighting game fan, so I didn't really see the point. Well, uh, it doesn't sound like it was worth it, based on Nick Pratz's review here, when you can scrape a 59 in the official mm. Sega comic. The charitable summation of it is that it's a good introduction to the beat-em-up format for people who've never played it before. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Mickey Mania, we mentioned a couple of episodes ago that, like, I played a cousin's copy, and then The Lion King... I definitely played The Lion King because, Chris, this was the year I got my Mega Drive. Oh, this is it. It's finally here. The Christmas approach app where I got my Mega Drive and it was the Lion King Mega Drive. It came in a big Lion King. We had no idea. We hadn't even asked for one. And it was the big present between us, right? Because we would often have that. We would have one big thing between us sometimes. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's how we got our consoles. Yeah. And it was like, what's this going to be? And I remember reacting exactly like that N64 kid at Christmas. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> yeah, 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 just jumping and screaming. And I remember even being like old enough to say to my mum, like, why? <laughs> because, <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Yeah, because I've always wanted this, and I thought the answer was no. And uh, her answer was just like, well, you've just wanted one for so long. Because I said, was it because I've now got two years of the Sonic comic under my belt? Have I shown <laughs> that I am a Sonic fan, and therefore... Is this did evidence I... enough, mother? Is this what you want? Yeah. Is this what... <laughs> Have I earned my pips or whatever it was? No, she just said, no, you've just wanted one for long enough. And I think that was it. When it comes down to something like this, it looks like it's going to be a flash in the pan. And my parents were like, well, let's wait and see if they still want it in a few weeks. And then, like, what, four years later, okay, yeah, they still <laughs> want it. And here's a pack that's presumably got a certain amount of money off or whatever. Fine, there you go. So it was Lion King... It was Sonic 1, it was Sonic 2, and then the remaining two Sonic games came over the following year. And just, oh. And you think oh. how close that is to the actual end of the system's life. I know. And yet, how in your mind, mm -hmm. years stretched out ahead of you to enjoy your Mega Drive. Yeah. In my heart, it was the middle of the Mega Drive period, yeah. but it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? The Saturn's about to happen. I know. Yeah. Probably. Has, it, sure has it even happened? You'd never know from STC when the Saturns come out or not, you know? I know, they're so cagey about the Saturn. Yeah. No, it came out in the uh, summer of 95. In Europe, anyway. And with the rest of the world, but yeah. So we're, we're six months away from the Saturn. No, I've said that out loud. Six months away from the Get Saturn. Get lost. God, get in the bin. Sonic 3D didn't come out until 96, did it? Oh, yeah, I guess that would be about right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. Back then... When a new console came out, there was still life in the old console, you know? There was still, we're still getting Master System charts now. I mean, it's not untrue today, but mm. 
No, not but, untrue, but, untrue, I mean, but like... Focus does shift so much. Yeah, I'm wary of the fact that my PlayStation 4 has updated itself with a PlayStation 5 app of some sort that I'm terrified to click on in case it does something. <laughs> One day I'll replace my PlayStation 3, but today <laughs> is not that day. <laughs> and while we're on the review zone, Power Rangers, the beat-em-up. No, I never played it, but I believe... Was it? This year, I believe as well as the Mega Drive, randomly, and this is not normal, this is going to paint our household as, like, a ridiculously affluent one. This has always stood out as, like, what the hell was happening that year? Because (laughs) we got... Deluxe Megazord. Having already saved up and bought the Deluxe Megazord set ourselves... Got the Deluxe Megazord. Did you get the Dragonzord? We got the Dragonzord and Titanus. Titanus, Which... Jesus! Put it all together, and you have... Ultrazord. The Ultrazord. Oh, hell yes. Oh my god, that Christmas. We had a Mega Drive and we had all the Zords. And these are, when I say deluxe listeners, those are the ones that aren't just a toy of Megazord. They're the separate, and they come in the box as the separate Zords. And you get to fold them up into and transform them into Megazord. And then there's Dragonzord. Unfold him, put him on the top of the Megazord, clip this to that, switch that to there, move that, get rid of that, take off the pterodactyl, put on the special shield from the front of Titanus, who's a big thing that they just kind of stand in, it's a bit weak to be honest, but it it makes a big thing, it makes a big man, (laughs) big thing robot, he's a part dragon and he's got stuff and he's got a big weapon and oh, it was amazing, what a Christmas, I have asked my parents, like in recent years, what happened that year? Did you get a big bonus or a promotion or a raise or something? And they're like, no, I don't think so. So they must have just found good bargains or something. I don't know what. I Maybe. don't know what I mean, happened. I have no recollection of what Power Rangers toys cost in the day. No, well, I have some recollection of what the Deluxe Megazord cost because mm. although I can't put a number on it, it was enough that it was like a journey to save up for as children. Sure. Like, I'm, I want to say. I'll say 50 quid. Sure, I mean, that seems... Yeah, I could imagine that. Allowing for inflation and so on, it may have been 35 quid, but it felt like... Yeah, that's what... Mentally, I was saying it's got to be somewhere between 30 and 50. It felt like 50 quid. Not 50 quid to me now, 50 quid to a child then. It was a saving up between you, you and your brother both, epic journey of getting this thing saved up for. Hold it there now till we look up the... uh... The uh, the deluxe Megazord set you twenty seven seventy five in Argos. So get good. lost. Yeah. Wait a minute, really? Call it thirty. You know, yeah. Oh my god, that that okay, that is amazing. And that is peanuts today. That is peanuts. They would never bring out anything for oh that god, price, no. toy wise. No toy costs as little as that anymore. God damn! Imagine being able to get because this was a primo. It was a big bad boy. I mean, I never owned it myself, but I remember a kid who did. Well, you didn't like Power Rangers, but for those of us who but did. But for all the sh- aye, aye, aye. I'll throw at Power Rangers, the robot toys oh, yeah. are still cool, and I own a few. Oh, right, right, right. Not the originals. And the other thing is that that Christmas, it was the toy, and you couldn't find it yeah. for love or money. We, we mm. went far afield to find one and, and I mean looking back we now eventually found one in the second wave of releases which they probably did just yeah. in time for Christmas but we proper had to go to other cities to try and find it at like special specific branches of Argos like in Birmingham and stuff and they didn't have it either so like yeah god it was eventually we found it in good old children's world old faithful flipping it there's the eight inch power ranger action figures mm-hmm. 345 Sod eight off. inch action figure no way. toys were well 
Oil and plastic were cheaper back then. Toys cost, listen, as a friggin' Transformers collector, toys yeah. cost far too much today. Yeah. Toys have not, it's not just inflation, like, the price of yeah. a toy today is not comparable right. inflation-wise to what it cost back then. It just isn't. Because the thing is, right, three pound, whatever it was you just said, three pound anything. I know that on this podcast we have a healthy respect for the pound coin. The pound coin. But three pound something was like... Conceivable. It was a conceivable amount of money to have as a child. Yeah, I will go as far as to say it was peanuts then. Like, for a good toy, for a god-tier toy, like a full-size Power Ranger like toy. I, guess, I suppose, in an ideal world... You might want to buy all the Power Rangers, which would then sure. the, pr- the price mounts Well, up. that's how they get you. Yeah, but the thing is, they didn't get us like that. We were never into that. Like, we had one, and that was enough for us. And then we were like, oh, we'll have the green one. That's a special one. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but see, if you get the green one, at the very least, then you don't get one of the five special combining weapons that require you to buy all the other figures to make the super weapon. Oh, of course. Do you know what? For whatever reason, that never interested us. We did. We were happy having a single Power Ranger toy. I don't know why. That doesn't matter makes sense but we were and we ended up with more than one but do you know what i mean that was it mm-hmm. it's all about the robots it's all about the robots who cares about the power rangers me and my brother we weren't even playing power rangers when we were playing with the robots we were playing zords yeah yeah and i've got the scripts because we wrote them down it was this whole thing Nerd! yes it was this whole thing we came up with where it was like a, an ongoing series they had names their names were you know jason and what no no their names were austin oh you and the blue one was loser. david jesus and stuff like that, yeah. David Yost. And then we, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was just a little like, sci-fi soap opera. Uh, my brother was uh, Lawton, the bad guy who sat up on the high bed, which was a cloud. And his uh, primary assistant was a toy we had of Jafar as a genie. <laughs> and we, oh, and Zordon, see if you can guess. What was the equivalent of Zordon? It is something you will have been aware was available. A toy, yeah. Yes. The toy you used as Zordon. Yes. Well, I was going to guess that it was just some big teddy bear, because it was the only the, the thing that would be large enough to represent something like Zordon, but... Uh, I'll give you an extra clue, because remember that Zordon is nothing but a floating head. A head? Just a float... Um, yeah. I don't know, like a boglin or something? <laughs> that would have been good. No, I'll show you what it was. Some kind of puppet? I will paste you an image of what it was. It was the head, because the head could screw off. Of this good gravy. Sonic <laughs> bubble bath. Oh, you had to make your own fun, didn't you? You did! And I, God, had such a good time doing it. I, I was perfectly happy making my own fun. Of course, it required a full Christmas worth of Zords to do it. Yes, but... <laughs> um, hey, this is a Sonic podcast, it though. It is, you know. <laughs> there's no Look, there's... good just sitting here pretending Power Rangers was good just because of robots. <laughs> it was well very good. <laughs> it's not good you enjoyed it it doesn't mean it was good it's never been good and yet somehow they keep making it <laughs> are they still making it yes yes i might get back somehow, into it somehow oh, oh i would pay <laughs> to see david boomer esquire try to watch brand new modern power rangers <laughs> Even well, though it's it just to... as bad, and indeed probably objectively better than it ever was. Well, no, I was going to say, isn't it supposed to be quite good now, though? That's what Power Rangers fans <laughs> tell you. They think right, it's yeah. good. <laughs> and then they remembered that they were in the review zone. Dave Gibbon even ups his game a little bit, I think, review-wise, when he's talking about Mickey Mania. You know, 
do. He, again, he does focus in on the graphics more than anything else, doesn't he? Spends that whole last paragraph talking about how graphically it's on a par with Aladdin and Jungle Book, and they move as flawless and comparable to... <laughs> Actually, the last line of this review did amuse me. The way the bodies move is totally flawless and comparable to a Walt Disney feature film. Praise indeed. And I'm like, oh yeah, Dave, you said it. You don't need to turn around and tell us what you said. Oh, here's something I did notice, by the way. We have a different reviewer for The Lion King as for mm. Mickey Mania, and if we'd had the same reviewer, I think they might have noticed that it really looks as if they might be reskins of each other. I've never really looked into this, so please don't be offended if you know better and it isn't, but certainly there's a screenshot here of... Like, the Mickey Mania equivalent of the Stampede level in The Lion King. Mm. Which isn't pictured, but it is mentioned. And like, they look to be exactly the same thing. How's it described in the review here? An innovative coming-at-you 3D stage in which Mickey is chased by a moose along fast-moving ground. Yes. I doubt reskin is the right word. I well, think it's more like they cracked this aspect of the technology, mm. so they wanted to just use it again. Yeah, probably. Good. And in The Lion King it says, The stampede level where Simba has to contend with bolting wildebeests captures much of the intensity of the film. As a keen player of The Lion King game, I can tell you that the way that level works is that you are running towards the camera, You've got the stampede of wildebeests behind you that are sort of, you know, they're just a rolling animation. And the way it works is that you'll get a little flash at the bottom of the screen of where there's going to be a rock, which will then come towards you and you have to jump it in time and then there'll be a flash somewhere else. Here comes two rocks and you have to position oh. yourself right. Then it'll be question mark, flashing, and whoa, you're surprised by the rocks and you have to just anticipate them. And that does seem to be precisely what the Mickey version is as well, complete with stampeding wildebeest-type animal in the background and rocks, little rocks to jump over. But uh, it, it looks very familiar to me. And if there wasn't some crossover code, it's a big coincidence that they're exactly the same. Because there's not like in... They're not made by the same people. This, Mickey is done by Sony Image Soft and Lion King's Clever. It's just so weird because the thing is, in The Lion King, that was like a... Not controversial exactly, but like you, as you looked at it, you were like, oh, it's weird that I'm being... that You know, like how it was kind of... There's a small amount of controversy around, you know, the running away from the lorry bit in Sonic Adventure 2 because you're mm. running towards the camera so you can never see what's coming. There was a similar feeling with the, the stampede in The Lion King. And here in Mickey Mania, like, what? You had to have a stampede scene in The Lion King. There's no reason to have this at all in Mickey Mania. Like, what on earth prompted them to do a Lion King stampede level style level in Mickey Mania where you're running towards the camera jumping over rocks with a big moose running behind you? What prompted them to do it in Sonic? What prompted them to do it in Crash Bandicoot? You know, yeah. just because they could. Yeah, the scientists didn't stop to think. <laughs> I find it a strange coincidence. I'd, I'd love to know. What well, you're right there. So close together. Why it happened in Mickey Mania at all? Yeah. Sweet orange. The Only Game in Town, Part 2, written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Peter Richardson and letters by Tom Frame. Max Axel Blazin' Skates are surrounded by more gang members than they can possibly hope to overcome, but the punks are behaving oddly and not moving in to finish them off right away. In truth, they're operating under orders from Mr. Axe, who's running a book taking bets on how long our heroes will survive. Their only hope may be Sergeant Ferocio one of the last good cops left on the force. 
Okie dokie, I love the first page of this. God, you wouldn't know it was a different writer, would you? No. You just wouldn't. Except that it's it doesn't stray too far into the parodic levels of, like, 80s extremes that Miller's version did. So, no. to me, it kind of feels more like an actual adult story, if you see what I mean. As, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Even if, as adults, we can see the ways that it's simplified for younger readers. Like, so you got the... The bad cop's talking openly in front of the one good cop about how he's the one good cop and stuff. But even that is written with subtlety. Yeah, the, so they're looking at this piece of paper, and then one of these guys says, Damn, this cop is. It's the odds that Mr. X is giving. We don't know this yet. Mm. He's got the bookies odds yeah. on how the, our guys are going to do. And they're all saying, oh, yeah, how, without these good, how can you lose? Yeah, it sounds good to me. And then he goes over to this older cop named Ferocio, which is Ferocio. a wonderful name, by the way. It brings Amazing. back, do you remember in Skates' story where we saw the names on the disc and they were all names like Violent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Stuff like that. That's exactly what it is, you know. And he asks him, do you want a piece of this action? And one of the other cops says, uh, Ferocio isn't, you know, one of the guys. And they don't they don't explain what that means. So yeah, yeah. it's written with that. Yeah, it's obviously, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't go any further than that. And I think Mark Miller might have done, you know. Then oh, the, yeah. Well, I, what I've just said out loud is, I think Mark Miller might have gone a bit far. <laughs> and, uh, really? Yeah, that's the same statement. <laughs> this whole first page, it is five long, narrow, horizontal, mm. widescreen panels all the way down. The outside of the police department is the first one, establishing shot. The rest are this single shot of this guy Ferocio's desk and what's going on in the room around it, which is these guys... You know, the corrupt cops passing around the odds and stuff while he's like, hmm, ah, getting on with his work and just sort of overhearing them. It's brilliant. It's There's yeah. no Streets of Rage characters in it. It's a cutaway to a different thing. We're just trusted with it. Do you know what I really like about it is, yeah. as well, the title bar isn't until the second page. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a cold a open. It's a prologue. It's a cold open, yeah. It's like, night in the city. And then, <laughs> boom, title card smash. Yeah. Not that there's much to say, then, about the actual body of the issue, which is our heroes surrounded by the gang members who are all just sort of menacingly doing the video game jog-in-place motion. <laughs> One guy gets a little too uh, impatient, jumps in, Blaze smashes him down, tells him all the nasty things she could do to him, but she's not. And they won't close in because it's like Mr. X doesn't want them to just dogpile on them. He wants sport. He wants blood for the audience to uh, to bat on. You know? oh, oh, oh. Hello! Hello, boys! Are you being good and reading good boy comics this year? Ho, ho. Santa, I, I appreciate that you just... I, Can I have a look? I'm very happy to have you back on, but I don't think this um, is the right time. Oh, let's have a just, look! Uh, no, I, I'm reading. Don't read over my shoulder. Go on, let's see. I'm reading, mate. Just, uh, sorry, I'm, sorry, this is... Uh, I don't want to be funny, but we're doing... <laughs> I'm working. Do you mind if we talk in a minute? Okay. All right. All right then. Well, I'll go and work on your presents. I've got some water fun games. <laughs> um, and I've got a badge not seen since the early issues of Sonic the Comic. And uh, what else? I've got. Um, well, I'm not telling you it's your presents. <laughs> you're killing I've the got bet, a Christmas Dave. You're killing deco. the bet. <laughs> Boy! Oh, oh, oh. oh ding dong, reveling on high. I'm rapping. There he goes. We can read it again now. We're safe. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the main bit, there's not a lot to remark on, because then we rejoin Ferocio yeah. and Dan for the last two pages, where uh, Ferocio 
beats up Dad in the police station bathroom in the to toilet. get him to, to face the details up. It is a suitably violent, you know, issue. So, like, mm. there's no violence on page one, but there's corrupt cops. Mm. Bent coppers! Yeah. Page two is back to the massive crowd of neon punks that really fill the frame with, like, loads and loads and loads of them. Page three is Blaze, like, beating up this guy, kicking him so hard in the stomach that he, like... He does such a dynamic, like her leg yeah. goes straight out and his yeah. body folds up around it to keep that like shape. He's jumping towards them so he collides with her leg. So it's yeah. not just the force of her leg, but it's his own momentum. Yeah. He is fully ooh, bent in two like a sandwich. Yeah, all the guys have got iron pipes and clubs and things. And then uh, page three, it looks like it's going to be all violent, but then they start to back away. So there's like, oh, okay, there's a little... And then page four, caption says, elsewhere... A massive fist coming in frame, smashing a guy into the mirror of the police toilets. By the way, a little detail I really appreciated in that first panel. Separate delineated hot and cold taps there with blue and red <laughs> twisty bits. <laughs> that's very British. Very See, that's British. such a little weird Britishism in this otherwise very American set comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we have separate taps for the hot and the cold over here, guys. We do, and we famously do. And it's one of those things where, like... It's one of the few things where Americans make fun of us, and I'm like, no, yeah, that is stupid. I yeah, like, every day, I in the not so much in the summer, in the winter, it is like cold, hot, cold, hot. That's how you have to wash your hands. I think back in the day when it was invented, they expected us to fill the hand basin and wash our hands they using did. that water. Yes, but it's like sometimes it's in the winter I do exactly uh, I like this uh, I mean like Ferocio is the big talking point here mm -hmm. like so he beats Dan up and gets the details of him and Dan's like bloodied and everything you won't get away with this Ferocio and he says no what do your buddies think if you tell him you were beaten up by an old man with a dodgy leg <laughs> and then another cop comes in sees Dan all bloodied hey what happened to you I slipped on a bar of soap what's it look like and again, that's all grown up like, because he's like covering up the fact that this guy beat him up. I didn't spot this on my first read through. I've only noticed it now uh -huh. because I have the context from the end of the bitch. Go back to the first page of the issue. Okay. Mm -hmm. You see what's propped up on the side of Hiroshio's desk? Oh, a walking stick. Yeah, a walking stick. <gasps> Dodgy leg. Oh, what a great little detail. <laughs> what a great little detail. Because you can't even tell if he's got it in this last page because you never see that bit of him. Yeah, that's like he might. There's something about his stance there mm, on the, his on the fifth gate. panel. Looks like he could be leaning on a stick. Yeah. But the speech bubble is covering his hand, so he can't clearly tell. I think it would be off panel even if it didn't. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's quite a steep angle. You couldn't yeah. tell. Now, a funny thing about Ferocio, actually, that makes him an additional talking point, is that um, he is a wonderful example of something from Sonic the Comic penetrating deeper into the popular culture because there is an enemy character in Streets of Rage 4 named after him. What? There is a Ferocio in Streets of Rage 4, the the new Streets of Rage game that came out this year. No, there isn't, really. There is, yeah, I know. Can you believe it? That is explicitly an STC reference then. It is 100%. There's Yeah, exactly. That's so great because it's like, what? you know, we're happy if bits from Sonic what? get referenced outside of in Sonic things today. But for something from our Streets of Rage That is my... My mind is completely blown by that. Why would they even do that? I'm surprised you hadn't heard about it before now. Do the Streets of Rage fandom, like, read this comic? Well, it's the only comic, so... Yeah. They, you know, it's so it's of note in that regard. I just assumed that they didn't 
wouldn't care at all. Wow. I mean, that's the funny thing, isn't it? It's like, there's no archy streets of rage for them to be angry yeah. about it, not agreeing with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine if there was. It'd be all about which ones of them were dating. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this is good. I mean, honestly, like, I know as a kid I didn't realize, even though I did read the credits boxes, and I know Mm -hmm. I did when I was a kid, I have no memory of realizing this was being written by a different writer. I mean, if we weren't reading the credits boxes now, we probably wouldn't be able to tell either. No. It's such a great job of matching the tone and style of the pre- of the earlier issues. And even though earlier I said that, you know, Nigel's got a slightly more subtle hand on it, it's not as if he's not writing about the same extreme things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think we've mentioned this, but, like, on page four, one of them decides to, like, commit suicide. One of the main characters decides to just jump into the fight and be killed by them just to get it over with. He goes... It's his attack plan. Is like, Max is yeah. like, there's too many of them, there's nothing we can do. And Axel says, we can do something, all right, Max. We can attack them now. So they get them so mad that they forget themselves. At least then it'll all be over quickly. Yeah, and she says to him, don't give me that macho garbage, Axel. Nobody's committing suicide. Fine, have it your own way. And it's like, okay. Okay, that happened in STC. <laughs> yeah, it's like Mark Miller style angry characters just shouting angrily at each other. Yeah. Oh, this is good. I do enjoy it. Oh, I love Streets of Rage. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, give me those trades. Streets of Trades. It's that bobbly bell ringing time, boomers! My circuits have been almost snowed under by the flood of festive art sent in by you, boomers. The chosen few, the chosen few, will each Ooh. receive an original STC badge not seen since issue two. I mean, that is a patent lie at this point. They've <laughs> yeah. been offering it as a prize in the graphics. Yeah. I mean, there's no picture of it. No, so they true. Seen it. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> Constantly gone on about since issue two. Update your copy. Anyway, nothing. I mean,. It's not a great crop, is it, to be totally honest, this issue? It's some drawings of Sonic that are Christmassy yeah. of the skill level you would expect from children. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know what I mean. It's like, <laughs> normally there's at least a couple of things in here where we're like, oh, yeah. isn't that nice? But this is like, you know, Mark Lee from Bridgewater and Somerset has just sent in that one piece of yeah. Tails cartoon uh, model sheet artwork, but with a Santa hat on. Yes, and, and like or, the um, uh, cover art, he's decided to draw the snow in a completely different way to the rest of the picture, using yes. a, a very thick black felt pen. Ian Bowen has done Sonic um, ice skating. No, actually, I quite like this one, because I like the way it seems like he's put snowflakes on the end of each of Sonic's spines. He has, and they're kind of like the snowflakes, like the asterisk-style snowflake, which, um, what was it Roger Hargreaves used to use them for? Not snowflakes flakes like maybe it was the pom-pom on the end of santa's hat or something he would draw an asterisk for but yeah there's one on the end of each spine there's a little bit of decoration that's nice Uh, martin richmond from armthorpe near doncaster he's drawn sonic and tails basically as santa and someone in the back of santa's sleigh they're slaying along they've got a big bag of toys sonic has what i initially read as a halo but of course that's meant to be a hood that he's got on. on oh, is that stuff. what it is? I actually didn't get that. But I, yeah, well, okay. I mean, or it could be a big halo. I don't know. Well, no, I think you're right. I think it's a hood. And it's like, is he supposed to... I can't... 
it looks like Sonic's n neck rolls of fat is bubbling up over the top <laughs> of his jumper. Yes, it does look like that, actually, yeah. His round head is just seated in a sort of general blob of body. His Sonic face is 1920s black and white cartoon looking. Bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sonic. And uh, it's given him odd cheeks. I suppose, oh, it's because what he's done is he's tried to draw the shape of Sonic's mouth, but, like, he hasn't drawn the eyes fitting into it, so that's slightly yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, the eye, there's blue in between the mm. eyes and the muzzle. In interesting yeah. take on it. Uh, a quite good drawing uh, from Emmett Follins of Kalani. Yes, this is my favourite one on the page. Yeah. Not just because he's representing Ireland here from yeah, Killarney, yeah. but uh, it's just Sonic with a Santa hat and a sack, but yeah. uh, I just like the expression on Sonic's face. is good cartooning energy. It is. He has oddly coloured Sonic's muzzle and arms, two different shades. His arms are pink and his mouth is like fawn. You see, I'm going to give him the benefit and I'm going to say that his arms are Santa's coat red and he's wearing Santa sleeves there. Uh, maybe, but it's not the same red as the shoes and the hat now, is it? You know what? It's not, but if he coloured them last and his pen was running out, it's possible. Because if you look in the middle of the hat... Always excuses with yeah. you, Boomer. Yeah. If you look in the middle of the hat, there's a slightly pinker area, which could indicate the pen started to run out. But if out you there. look at his ears, which I've only just oh. noticed, you'll see he's coloured the inside of the ears pink. And they're definitely the pink that he's used for the arms, so yeah. 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 Mm. Oh, you've convinced me now. Yeah. Uh. No Christmas charity from me. And his body is white, which could be Santa's beard white, but why wouldn't you colour the muzzle? Yeah, that? I mean, that's he, the flesh tone. So essentially mm. the flesh-coloured parts of Sonic are three different colours here, but I don't yeah. care because I really like the cartoony it's just good. energy that he's brought to the face. It's a good here. drawing, and he has selected a very pleasing shade of blue. Yes. And uh, then the last one on the page, Thomas Brian Whitehead from Livingston has mm. delivered a very interesting piece. This is the one that interests in that. me. And it's interesting because it has been drawn on a computer. Yeah, a computer. It's, you know, probably MS Paint or similar. Yeah. D-Paint or something. He's used as many shapes as he can. So it's what it is, is it's Sonic, which is largely hand-drawn. He's used an oval for his tummy. And his nose, possibly. Freehand on the... I mean, to be honest, like to be able to accomplish... Anything of that quality, freehand yeah. on MS Paint, that yeah. is a massive achievement. To be honest, I really had to look at the picture to be sure that he hadn't drawn his the tree in presence on the computer, printed yeah. it out, and yeah. then hand-drawn the Sonic in. Because that is a tremendous achievement for yeah. MS Paint. Certainly on the physical print copy, you can see pixels and you can see yeah, texture, yeah, yeah. one of the fill textures that you used to get on. I can't swear it's MS Paint. It could be whatever they had on the Acorn Electron or sure, Amstrad yeah, or yeah. anything. But it's one of those. I mean, I remember my first encounter with... Uh, a picture drawn on an old computer. Couldn't tell you what kind of computer it was because it was in a school and it wasn't even my school. It was like uh, <laughs> when we were visiting other schools to look for our next school. Oh, right. Um, um, and I didn't know what I was looking at because it was, uh, you know, it, it had that pattern texture that you just got from really old primitive yeah. printers. I didn't know I was even looking at a picture from a computer. Huh. <laughs> I was taken back to that moment looking at this. <laughs> so what it is, is it's the basic Sonic 1 box art pose of him mm. stood there with cross-legged hand on hip finger up but he's standing next to a christmas tree with a number of presents around the base of it which have been drawn with as many tools as possible so he's using oval tools for a round hat box type present he's using the straight line tools or even rectangle tools to do the rest of the presents and he's done them in like proper like 3d perspective mm. and everything mm. Um, the Christmas tree, lots of straight lines making the, you know, the jagged shape of that. And in fact, very symmetrical. I wonder... Yeah, possibly it, triangles overlaid on top oh, of it. Oh, that'll be it. And um, a star on top. Very 
yeah, I wonder if that came with it because it's so carefully it's crafted. Be a piece of clip art, yeah. yeah uh, well, it's like, yeah, but look, like the bucket. Yeah, here's the thing. Yeah, the bucket in which the tree sits has that piece of winking Sonic vector art on it. Yes. So I don't know what his rig was. I don't know what setup Thomas Brian Whitehead was working with when yeah. he was accomplishing that. It, yeah, I don't know how he did that. It's too small for us to see whether that's hand drawn because you know his sonic is uh, it's it's an achievement but it's a bit clumsy you can tell he had to yeah, do yeah. it with a mouse or whatever can't see but with the sonic's face it's like the one you know on uh, freedom team's jackets and the stickers yeah mm. final thing is that he's uh, decorated the tree with gold rings nice yeah, that's nice brilliant well done thomas brian whitehead Tompo. Win a VIP day out in Liverpool. Visit top software house Sony Psygnosis. Meet the makers of the great new game, Flink. Find out how games are made. Plus, Flink games and posters to be won. Come on, boomers. Enter one of the best STC compos yet. World famous software house Sony Psygnosis want you and a friend or parent if you insist, to be their guest at their headquarters in Liverpool. You'll spend a mega-fabulous day seeing exactly how games are made, meeting the makers of that great new adventure game, Flink, playing more games than you thought possible, and getting a sneak preview of some hot new titles that haven't hit the shelves yet. Sony Psygnosis will arrange for you to travel to Liverpool, give you lunch, refreshments, a goodie bag, a special copy of Flink for the Mega Drive, and loads more besides. This is the trip every gamer dreams about Phew. i mean yeah i want that now they don't actually like specifically say because the runner-up prizes are listed here five copies of flink yep. and 50 flink posters yep. it doesn't like specifically explicitly clearly say only one person will win yeah. this but that is only one person will win this mm, yeah it made me wonder like imagine actually winning this right like if yeah. as you're reading this page what you're imagining is a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory style day, right? You're, <laughs> yeah, right? you're going to the place... I mean, and to me, these are the people who made lemmings. So I'm going to the place where they make lemmings, and I'm imagining... I don't know what I'm imagining. I basically can't imagine it. But now, as an adult, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be boring. <laughs> it's going to be really boring! I mean, maybe. It depends how they would have dressed it up. You know, if you're going to go in there and get the chance to play video games and get free sh** handed to you... Yeah, but... The problem is that imagine what that is like really like what that so first off they're going to meet you in the, so it says they're going to give you lunch and refreshments you're going to travel to liverpool you imagine this as a child that you and your best friend on a train it's a montage you're in the big city new york new york and <laughs> springfield springfield it's that sort of thing excuse me is this mad magazine i'd like the grand tour please and yet what it actually is is that you're going to have to be supervised every step of the way. Some yeah. boring man in a suit is going to turn up and be like, are you the kids? All right, come on then. And he's going to be like, welcome. Hey, kids, let's go for lunch. Do you want a burger? And you have to sit there eating a burger with some man. You know oh, what I mean? Looks at it, Chaperoning yeah. you. And you're like, oh, that's awkward. You're saying to him like, I, I love lemmings. Tell me about lemmings. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I just work the desk, mate. You know? And then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You're imagining the worst possible version of this. You don't know. No, you're right. Sorry. Somebody might have had, they might have set aside a day or a couple of hours to get somebody who yeah. coded a background on Lemmings to come in. To be fair, it isn't going to be, oh, I don't know, I just work the desk, mate. It's going to be, I don't know, me. I just work the desk. <laughs> Hey, cause it's in Liverpool, <laughs> and then you're gonna you're gonna go to the place. It's gonna be an office, cause like actually, where they make this stuff, yeah, it's not that, actually the... exciting there. Listen, kid, 
You probably think lots of crazy stuff goes on in there, but this is just a place of business. That's the thing is, that's the big one. It's like, it is just like a little office with a load of guys sitting around chain smoking, coding <laughs> yeah. on Amstrad, you know. One of them, whoever the, like, the office character is, might be spinning round on his office chair a bit with his legs out. That's it. They'll have set This so- is not the Google complex where everybody rolls around yeah. in razor scooters and there's a ball pit in the no, middle. No, and they'll have set something up to make it look like they are an exciting team, so like Get me Kaputnik and phone bone. I wanna see the drawings for the new kids and the blick. Someone will have got out a cardboard cut out of a lemming or something. They'll be going like, hello, I'm a lemming. You know what I mean? There's not gonna be much going on there. And you're gonna and then they'll be like Well this room on the tour is exactly like all the other rooms except for one. <laughs> important difference oh we took that out (laughs) (laughs) and there'll be a point where they're like uh do you want to play some games and they'll sit you down in front of a machine and they'll go out for a fag that's british for cigarette and you'll be sat playing a game you went there no don't move and it'll be like a qa testing build where it's all buggy and it isn't finished yet and there isn't a skybox yet and you'll just be playing something and you'll be like what's this it'd be it'd be rubbish but i wish i'd gotten (laughs) (laughs) i love or perhaps love isn't the right word, I'm fascinated by how hard they have gone in on Flink, Flink. as the thing. I don't remember Whereas Flink. You think, I think... See, this, I remember the name, but that's it. Yeah. Whereas you would think, if you wanted to try and get kids excited about this, you would talk about some of their past big hits, hmm. like Lemmings yeah. or Pugsy. No, no Pugsy? Uh, yeah. Pugsy, yeah. I was trying to think, was was that the right name? Was it Sugsy or Pudsley? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a big hit for a given value of how <laughs> memorable it turned out to be. <laughs> there you go. Surely someone at Psygnosis still has an inflatable Pugsy lying around to give as a prize. Well. well, it's. I mean, that might be in your goodie bag. Yeah, probably, yeah. They want shot of it. What are we going to do with this inflatable Pugsy? It's been <laughs> here for months. Nobody bought the game. Lads, I have an idea. <laughs> Four or five copies of the game are going to be in there. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and I mean, I think Flink... Think Flink is probably <laughs> quite a good platformer. I've never played probably, it, I but I bet it, it is. Yeah. They know what they're doing over at Psygnosis. Well, it is described here as uh, being set in a magical world of sorcerers, apprentices, ghostly clouds, trolls, and sprites. Ghostly clouds. Ghostly clouds. It's up to you as Flink to save the land by tackling the evil wizard Wainwright. What? How British. And rescuing the five captured leaders who have been imprisoned in magic crystals. See, that was the charm of the Brit game industry at the time. You wouldn't get an evil wizard Wainwright today. No! I'm now Googling to find out if there was, like... Some financing manager at Psygnosis called Wainwright. Wainwright. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Where would you come up with that? No, that no. What's come up is the competition in S- in the STC wiki. They're quite thorough over the STC wiki. And listen, I can't make fun. <laughs> well, that is because so this is a proper competition. Okay. There's no mucking about with this. They're treating this quite seriously. Yeah. You have to answer not one but three questions. The first question is who does Flink have to tackle to save his land? Hint, the answer is somewhere on this page. Mm-hmm. The evil wizard Wainwright. So it's just a comprehension clue. We've seen those before. But then they actually ask you real questions that require external knowledge not found within the pages of this issue. Question two is, Psygnosis has produced many top-selling games over the years. Can you name one of them? Any format. We have named a few. And then number three, name the famous river that flows through Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to just know that. Yeah. And the answer is, Dave. The Mersey? 
that's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> Having lived there for three years, I'm like, uh, probably the Mersey. <laughs> and uh, there's no messing about in this. There's no, oh, the first results pulled from Sonic's old smelly shoe. No, it's full and proper. Yeah. The legal disclaimer is intense. The first prize will be awarded to the first correct entry drawn after the closing date. Other prizes will be awarded to subsequent correct entries. The editor's decision is final and no correspondence will be entered into. Grrr. Legal. Well, good luck, boomers. Hope you get it. Yeah. I must admit that as I was reading this, it really made me stop in my tracks that it's the first correct entry drawn after the closing date, the 20th of January 95. Like, we have been doing STCTP comfortably able to sit in 1993 and 1994 and i'm starting to get a bit anxious we're getting through it it's gonna be 1995 soon time's like, catching up to us yeah all marches forward i was like not anything like grown up then but i wasn't a little boy anymore which i was when this comic started i mean Oof. were you though I mean, in your mind, <laughs> did you consider yourself different? I mean, you probably did, but you look back on it now and you were just the same. I mean, yes, correct, but it was the difference between, you know, primary school and an old hand up being at big school by this point. You know what I mean? I see, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I started big school yeah. the same year as I started reading STC, mm. so there was, no, there was no big quantum change in the state of my life at that time. Put it this way. When STC started, I was out about being a fan of the Mr. Men. And by the time we hit 1995, I was keeping that under my hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's, oh, way out now. Love those guys. But only in like a sort of like a retro kitsch sort of way. I've never sat down and examined in what sort of way, but I, I do love those Mr. Men, you know? I, I, I've bought the vinyl of the Mr. Men stage musical. Twice, just in case one goes wrong. <laughs> I've bought the old Arthur Lowe songs record on CD and everything. Oh, nobody knows, I don't suppose, but I'm the ghost of poking my nose into other people's business. I'm not reading any Mr. Men books. I'm not watching the cartoons. This is it. Like, I like the Mr. Men in the sense that I grew up with yeah. them, but it's not like I'm consuming fresh Mr. Men media. No, I'm not looking at any of that Sanrio Mr. Men stuff. Are Sanrio doing Mr. Men, though? Have I got the right name, the Hello Kitty company? Yeah, that's Sanrio. Yes, Sanrio have bought the Mr. Men. Uh, Maybe this is old news now and outdated. Dave's interesting stories. But last I looked, not only had they purchased the rights to the Mr. Men, but they were making animated stuff that perfectly mimicked the original 70s style TV series. Like, know, you know, right? like felt pen drawn Roger Hargreaves yeah, looking yeah, yeah. wobbly animations that are sort of three frames for a walk cycle type stuff. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't know that at all. No, it's interesting, isn't it? Didn't, didn't know Mr. Man would be big enough to attract the attention of a big Japanese company like Sanrio. I know. Maybe that seems like off pod stuff. It's time for your content. Yeah, I'm just looking now to see if they've brought out any little figures or anything because I bet they'd be great at that. Well, Sanrio, yeah, that's, you know. Yeah. It's difficult to find out because, like, all Mr. Men stuff is still overwhelmed by that kind of funky, groovy, updated version of the Mr. Men that came out about ten years ago or whatever. Yeah, that did happen, and then everybody forgot about it. Mm. And, you know, you've said ten years ago, I bet it's so much longer than ten years ago. But it could be. I Honestly, I was allowing for that when I said ten years, because I think yeah. it's more recent than that, but I probably are. I just remember Mr. Strong's not the right shape. That's right, yeah, he's a triangle. And Mr. Nosy, little nose. What the f***? 
I, mean, I get that he's not a very established character in America, so they might erroneously believe he looks like a great massive nose. I get it, but come on. Well, Mr. Nose, he... no, I'm thinking of Mr. Rush. He's a big triangle. Yeah, but the point of the triangle yeah. is like a nose. Correct, yes, but it isn't like a big nose. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whereas I've heard and completely refute claims from idiots that Mr. Nosey resembles a large nose. Oh, he's, no, no, I've, I've brought him to mind. No, there he is. Yeah, that's not. Oh, I mean, well, it depends how you're drawing it. Yeah, okay. That you know what I mean? Does look tremendously like a poor red sore nose. That. Yeah, but the, if if this is his more current design, I'm looking at now. It's been denosified. Has it? Uh, which version? Well, show me what you're looking you. at. Ah. So, okay, what you've got there, that is the original Mr. Nosy. That is oh, right. that is Roger Hargreaves-style Mr. Nosy. But then what is this? This is 80s Nosy yeah. and 90s Nosy and onward to the present. That's a nose. Yeah, when you've got the mouth hanging there, yeah. A little movement like, as if it's becoming... Stop it! Stop it! Right, anyway, let's crack on. <laughs> Tales. Hero of Mobius, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Carl Flint, letters by Ellie DeVille. As Sonic regales the Freedom Fighters with stories of past battles, he cracks a joke about the disappearing acts that Tails always seems to pull. Tails slinks off to reflect. Sonic doesn't realise it, but those disappearing acts are the result of him being called away to his homeland, the Nameless Zone, where they think he is the hero of Mobius. Just as he's about to rejoin the other Freedom Fighters for a new mission, the portal to the Nameless Zone opens once more, and Sonic and Co are left to wrongly assume that poor old Tails has chickened out again. Not much to say about this one, because it's just a sort of uh, clip show recap of Tails' deal one, in STC. It? It's almost a, a Sonic's World episode yeah. or something, like, like you know, early Sonic's World, where it's like, here's what's going on. Here's yeah. a bit of what's going on. If you have not read... This is what Tails' deal is. I think mm. it's interesting that last issue, we had a Carl Flint story drawn by Nigel Kitching in Megadroid. And this issue, we have a uh, Nigel Kitching story drawn by Carl Flint. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we did. I wonder if that's deliberate. What I find interesting about it is that this recap is sort of out of date now, because that's not really what's been going on particularly in the last couple of Tales. Well, comics, I, I mean, and I'll be brutally honest here, I don't think Nigel cares about what was going on with the last Tales strip with the flock, you know. I mean, we've only, we've had three Tales stories about the Nameless Zone and one about the flock, but... Yeah, I don't know whether this is Nigel trying to reassert himself and set himself up for perhaps mm. doing another Tales strip, or whether it's just, this is just what he knew, because he hadn't read the other one. Well, we'll get one more Tales strip from Isles... With the flock. Mm. And then the next time Tails will get a strip again, it'll be Kitching in charge again, and it'll be back to the Nameless Zone, and it'll be a full six-part. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And Kitching oh, draws on. that one, too. Oh, go on. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. But we're into post-Tonic and Knuckles territory with that one, so oh. that's a little ways away yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this is just a recap. It's got some Carl Flint drawings in it of the sort you'd expect. He's copied that head-thrown-back... Felix the Cat Laugh drawing of Sonic. Again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's all original stuff. Do you know what I really like? I really like, and it's most pronounced on the last page, I really like his Porker Lewis. Oh, yeah. Because he's got oh, he's Sonic good. proportions. Yeah. He's got a big honking head. Big round head. And then a torso that's the same size as the head and legs that are the same size as his head. He's three yeah. heads tall, like Sonic. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish, to be honest, that that's what they look like all the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't need them to be, like... Muscle guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, muscle guys has never seemed like the right term for it. No. Don't, I don't imagine Johnny Lightfoot as being hench. But no, if he ripped shit. his shirt off. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Lightfoot. 
Johnny Hardbod. Bolt Vanderhuge. <laughs> and Porker. Like, imagine if one issue, Porker just took his top off and he was incredibly ripped. And they went, Porker's definitely all fat under there. <laughs> Soft to the touch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what there is to talk about here, really, because it's just a recap. There's one thing. There's one thing. They're inside the Bob Beaky's Travelling Circus yeah. wagon. And that's quite interesting. You get to see an interior of it with, you know, their poster up and... Uh, the little, well, there's a, it's a bit of a cram, so you can't see much of what's going on, but you can see that there's sort of, you know, beams and a little bench for him to stand on and stuff up on the walls, a map. Bits of their disguises lying around. There's his, his ringmaster mm, yeah. hat and his beak, and that's um, that's Porker's oh, that's headscarf pinned up there in the top left. Oh, yeah! And that might be Tails' clown wig just under the hat there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the sort of thing that real. I mean, aside from the fact that obviously the main thrust of the strip is, hey, remember these Nigel Kitching tail strips? It's these little touches that really mark it as a kitching joint. Well, here's a little art touch that I've only just noticed. Mm. Uh, page one, panel two, where Sonic is first of all going like, oh, what's up with you, Tails? And he's just going, well, you probably didn't even notice I wasn't with you on that particular adventure. And he's kind of looking forlornly out of a window at a little leaf that's yeah, just leaf going just by. Drifting past. Which, if we then look at the next page, has seems to have followed him all the way because there's a drifting leaf again, bottom left of page two, mm. as he's walking away from the uh, the group. Probably coincidence because he then walks under some branches. That yeah, happens. under a load of leafy branches. It's it's just, just, just an odd, odd little. That's just like a little Carl Flint affectation we have to watch out for in future pieces of Carl Flint art. Maybe, or, or maybe he's using it as a way of saying, like, you know, he wants adventure in the Great Wide somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, though. He doesn't, yeah. He's <laughs> not interested in adventure in the Great Wide anywhere. I mean, I guess the, the through line of this is Sonic and Tails' is relationship again where mm. uh you know sonic just sort of laughs at him that was when you pulled one of your famous vanishing acts on us it wasn't that i was afraid sonic it's just that that it just wasn't the right sort of day now what sort of day was it never mind i think i need some air and he hops off it is a good conceit that he's a bit embarrassed to you know he isn't telling sonic about it because it's an embarrassing thing he's done and it's yeah. like that works and uh, well, well, that's the thing. Yeah, I guess I suppose it's not just Sonic being like mean air quotes. It's yeah. like yeah, Tails has actually fucked up here and comes <laughs> cop to it. <laughs> so he's kind of made his own bed in this regard with a guy who acts like this anyway. But then we get Johnny being Johnny and calling Sonic out on it again, which yeah. is like I feel like this ramping up. That's becoming a bit more common these days. Yeah. He says that was mean Sonic, and Sonic's like ah, Pixel Brain knows I'm only pulling his leg. Yeah. But then uh, you know you get to the end and Johnny's like oh. Don't, I don't get it. Tails seemed really keen. He's not showed up to the fight. Keen to hide behind a rock somewhere, you mean. Told you he had a pixel loose. I quite like that, a pixel loose. Yeah, yeah you know what it is, what Tails is doing here, Chris? Stolen valor. Woof. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> but, woof. <laughs> I would expect Ken Penders to really dig into the uh, sociopolitical ramifications of Tales of Stolen Valor with uh, <laughs> lots of inappropriate uh, metaphors. But at least in this case, he just fights a goblin in some armour. Next, we have a two-page poster, or pin-up, or pull-out, or whatever you want to call I, it. See, I call this a poster. Yeah. Single-page, pin-up. Double page, mm. that's a poster. Right, okay. And this, I think, is a good one. Yeah, this is Mike Hadley again. Yeah. And it's Christmas-themed. It's uh, Sonic and Amy bursting out of 
Dr. Robotnik's Zombotronic Christmas Tree. Yeah! <laughs> Seems to imply it perhaps uh, zombifies people that are trapped inside it. It looks like Sonic is maybe, maybe rescuing Amy from within it. Oh, yeah, maybe possibly. maybe she was chained to it. Yes, because Oh, no, there's... no, no, the chains are, are in emulation. Oh, they're like tinsel. tinsel. Uh, yes. Yeah, but nevertheless, they do seem to be snapping. So what mm. it, they've they've f***ed up whatever it is <laughs> for Doctor Robotnik. Who he, so look, the the reason I like this so much is that there's a lot of stuff crammed into it. A lot of the time, we'll get a pinup that's literally just a character standing there in the middle of nothing, which we're going to get one of later this issue. But this one, it's a dynamic thing. There's people of all different you know sizes because they're closer and further away to the camera. The majority of it is taken up with this Christmas tree, which is like made out of riveted metal rings that are green i think i've just deciphered it it does look look down by amy's head there there's like a manacle so yeah these oh, yeah. tinsel chains were holding oh and there's one the... there's one on her arm oh there, oh there you go yeah so these tinsel chains were pinning her to the tree and then look behind amy there behind and above that looks like some kind of visor that was brainwashing her that was strapped over her eyes so sonic has what a great little story yeah. this is quietly telling. I would have said headphones, but you're right, it's a visor because it's got a little notch. I headphones at first too, but then there's the nose... Nose um, notch. ...divot. Yeah. So Sonic is jumping towards us, out of the camera, not really carrying Amy. He's just put his hand back and their, their fingers are slightly pinched. already pinched her between two fingers. <laughs> but she's, yeah, she's got this snapped chain manacle. They seem to be coming out of the tree, which is like popping apart like the different rings have separated out there's bits of badnik flying everywhere so there, mm -hmm. some badniks have been bopped during the course of this robotnik is just in the background going Ugh! as baubles bunk off his head that have come i off think the maybe tree. the idea is the tree is about to keel over on top of him onto him yeah. yeah so it's casting a big shadow as well a little head of a caterpillar is bonking off his head as well there's so there's bits of badniks flying everywhere there's baubles smashing all over the place there are coming off the tree there's a little present in which is like a little stuffed Knuckles. Yeah. Which is not quite fully on model for Knuckles, but it's f that's fine because yeah. it's meant to be it's a little a stuffed, stuffed toy. One. But it's, uh, it's pink, well, purplish, but as we all know. There's something that we can't quite see because it's just cropped off, but it looks like it might be a little stuffed Sonic as well in it present. And then, yeah. bottom left, a bauble metallics. Yeah. Is it a bauble or is it a stuffed? Oh, well, it's, it's got... Ball, it, it? Look, at, look at the little hanger little thing. little hook on top, yeah. little yeah. hook on its head. But other than that, it's fully articulated. You know, its limbs can flail around and everything. Oh, also, Sonic's sort of broken the power source. Mm. There's a cable that's actually, like, riveted down. Oh, so next to Robotnik's foot, he's got a button he can press with his foot that's, like, cable riveted to the ground all the way up to the tree, but it's broke. I think it's a hand control that he's dropped in his shock as the... See, yeah, you're right. This is, this is, um, this is we've great. seen this before with Hadley's artwork. It's great. I love it. It's telling <laughs> its own little story in yeah. multiple parts here, and it's really well done in that regard. But we've sort of seen this before with Hadley's artwork where things just all sort of seem to simultaneously happen with only the slightest contact. You know, you remember when <laughs> Tails poked that bad Nick in the eye of that one time and it yeah. exploded? Or, or, you That's know, just how powerful Tails is. He never looks like he's really hitting them. He always just sort of looks like he's zooshing past them and it's the slight graze of his spines and yet they're going... <laughs> <laughs> everything's always blowing up this is that in poster form yeah. everything just happens so much <laughs> and a little big tag on it that says merry christmas boomers from stc yeah and you know what i'm often i'm annoyed by little tags like that i'm currently um replacing my entire collection of witcher novels with the current covers because they're better that have just come out but 
They do have a stupid little now sort of circular Netflix. star of now on Netflix, and that is not a removable sticker. That is part of the cover. So I know that as soon as those are off, I'll be buying them again. But what are you going to do? Um, and yet this not one... Not buy them and wit? Shut up, you. And yet... <laughs> well, it's because I so didn't like the old covers that I've been itching to change them anyway, and I've been eyeing up, you know, foreign covers and stuff. Anyway, this similar circular spiky star sticker saying Merry Christmas Boomers from STZ, I do not mind, because this is already a gimmicky Christmassy poster it's anyway. It's already Christmas, yeah. It, it it's just like, looks yeah. good. It looks Christmas crackery, and I think it's nice. I, I would have liked it if maybe they could have settled on one colour for the font, but besides <laughs> that... <laughs> Over the page, we have the uh, Boomer Boggler, which mm-hmm. is a wonderfully British name for a page. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that that would be liable to boggle any boomers, that, um, <laughs> that title, <laughs> outside of the context of this very British comic. It's a word search. It's a yes. word search full of uh, sonic-y terms. It's a full-page word search as well. They haven't, like... You know, decorated it with stuff around the edge. You know, I mean, some of the things you have to find in this word search are electronic arts and Thunderhawk and Sonic the Comic. Like, big, long collections of letters. And, you know, actually looking at it, Electronic Arts is the only brand name, well, like, production company name they've used. So I wonder if there was a bit of funding involved there. Did they make FIFA? They do, don't they? Uh, yeah. Because FIFA Soccer is also in there. Well, Dave, we do know how much everybody loves FIFA Soccer. Mm. What do you think they were funding the word search? Yeah. Like, put a, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, no, a, like, put, a it's a little really bit of branding, isn't it? cost a lot of money to put together. Well, no, but it's a bit of branding, isn't it? Like, electronic arts are like, oh, go on then, let's chuck 10p at STC to put our name in some random page arbitrarily. And Because otherwise, if you were writing a Sonic word search, why on earth would you think of electronic arts? Video games, Div. Yeah, but they're the only one. They haven't put Psygnosis. And I they know, have got they, involvement in this. They issue. have got a brand deal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But they, okay, so the things to find are then Aladdin, Bubsy, Echo, Electronic Arts, FIFA Soccer, Game Gear, Lion King, Marco, Mega CD, Mega Drive, Saturn, Sega, Sonic the Comic, Thunderhawk, and Virtua Racing. So there you go, it's a word search. Like, you can find it in the scan if you want, but you'll get nothing out of it, so don't bother. <laughs> Knuckles. Carnival Night Conspiracy, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Richard Elson and letters by Ella Fell. While the Marxio brothers and Knuckles are now on friendly terms, it's not long before Knuckles tries to head off and take down Robotnik's launch base zone, which causes Chickio to let slip that Robotnik is funding the Carnival Night Zone. Their lies exposed, the Marxios attack Knuckles with a huge robotic battlecraft that quickly knocks the Red Dreaded One out cold. So this isn't an issue of Knuckles. This is the Marxio Brothers interlude. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's got some of the best lines yet, 
I mean, oh, this is just yeah. this is what oh I'm my god. The actual on. Mark Tio brothers dialogue is it's amazing. Fantastic, and like so, um, they give Knuckles an office in the Carnival Night Zone. They're showing him around. Chikio is very put out that Knuckles has a TV in his office, and uh, he tries to turn <laughs> it on. You want to watch it a TV? And Grochio says, "What's the big idea, Chikio? Do I pay you to watch TV? Hey, you don't pay me to do nothing. I know, and it's a shame because you're doing so well." And he is, <laughs> and he turns, he looks to the camera us. and grins. <laughs> And holds and he, up the cigar. He waggles like his little cigar. <laughs> and they don't even oh, wait so before good. they drop the next one. We cut no. to outside where Chikio is singing to himself. There's a no place like the carnival night is on. There's a hey, Chikio, what's with the musical outburst? Eh, just trying to kill a little time, boss. Well, you certainly have the right weapon. That was murder. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's good stuff. Chikio, your mind is wandering, and the longer it stays away, the better. Uh, I, it's so good. It's so like, good. They've done this before, but this is it's just not like this. spilling out in force. Yeah, in this, this one, is where they've properly... got the time to just have him yeah. mug for the camera. Somebody said the secret word. Yeah, this is properly Nigel just going. Listen, I'm just gonna write some Marx Brothers. <laughs> yeah, now. that's, that's, all that's what it's I'm just, going to do today. This issue is just a big Marx Brothers riff. Yeah, but also Richard's here to shine as well because. They've got this little kind of bobbly sort of flying vehicle type thing that's got a kind of a big round clown face yeah. on it. And they find Knuckles and they're like, all right, switch this thing into combat mode. Let's describe this because I love the design okay. of it. Big clown face. It's like three pods, one for each yeah. of them to sit in. So Groucho sits in the front one. Chikio and Harpio are in little smaller ones slightly further back. I love cars, this yeah. panel of them in there together, like where um, Knuckles is trying to leave the Carnival Night Zone and they catch up to him before he does. And he says he's going to destroy the launch base. He needs to get rid of Robotnik. And Chikio says, eh, if you kick out of Robotnik... Who's not going to pay the running costs over the Carnival Night Zone? Oops. Great work, Chicky. I'll take the rest of the year off, and if you never come back, I'll give you a bonus. <laughs> but in the background, Harpio's <laughs> <laughs> just asleep in his pod. <laughs> Feet up. Slumped across it. And then they, yeah, switch to battle mode and big mechanical, the whole thing transforms. They're all in one, you know, Power Rangers style, one big cockpit together. The face gets yeah. an angry expression on it. Big giant <laughs> fists come out of it. Millions of, like, a cacophony of guns comes out of it. Millions of them. Like proper missile launchers, Gatling cannons, you know, big laser things, electricity zapping everywhere. Two massive fists a lot like the squeeze tag machine. machine and of course ball with spikes on because <laughs> it's just on. It's a, that's what you get in sonic and knuckles is like so you are working for a robot nick hey i figured what you didn't know wouldn't hurt you which in your case means you're safe from practically everything <laughs> <laughs> it's a mile a minute it's great it's, yeah. it's just good gags it's it's like that's the you know now that I've I've just said it out loud, but the, you tend yeah. to forget that the funniest effing strip in the whole magazine, Decapita, mm. is written by the guy who writes the really exciting straight Sonic adventure stories. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I, I academically know that, but I don't tend to you know and, uh, put it together, and it's sort of. Yeah colliding with this one in a way it really hasn't before isn't it i'm really only realizing that now yeah we're seeing yeah no yeah d d yeah yeah this is great and then that's it once that's happened once the things the big fists have come out it pounds the ground knuckles basically appears to have been knocked out and crunched by it well i mean i think the implication is he has died but <laughs> died <come on. laughs> and that's the cliffhanger yep 
Next, the Carnival Night Zone, open for business because Knuckles is dead and can't stop them, question mark? (laughs) (laughs) It's all over for Knuckles. It's a good one. It's great. It is a different flavour than you Mm. get in Sonic Strips by Nigel. But it's not one that you would think of for Knuckles. It's the juxtaposition of all the daft mm-hmm. slapstick stuff going on around him and him being deadly serious I mean, all the while. When you going, think Rrr. about it, under like Nigel's pen, Knuckles is yeah. easily like the most serious character yeah. in the Sonic verse. Yeah. You know, because Robotnik has comedy he can be played for. Grimer has the sniveling toady put upon sidekick thing going on. Sonic is Sonic, Tails has the oh no, he's done it again thing going on, (laughs) and Porker has cowardice for comedy, you know, and Johnny's a boring straight man, God love him, but he is. But Knuckles (laughs) is like this grumpy, actively hostile figure who is easily always the most serious and about everything in a Nigel story. So yeah, putting him up against these guys and going, somebody said the secret word (laughs) for five pages is like... The actual Marx Brothers is who he's decided to (laughs) pick Knuckles again. What if the Marx Brothers had an (laughs) egomatic? That's just like, that might as well be the subtitle for the issue. Oh, that's great stuff. News With our news hound, Chris Jones. It's Chris Jones. Oh, it's not Gary Penn. It's a new chap. Yeah, I think so. So Sega on the Box is the cover story here. And this is an interesting one. New service beams games to homes. Currently being tested in the US is the Sega Channel, offering American Sega owners the chance to be in at the forefront of the infotainment revolution. Now, we've mentioned this a couple of times (laughs) in recent issues, purely because, not because it was mentioned in those issues, but because several of the games that have been mentioned in recent news zones were only released in America via this service. And by extension, not here. So is this uh, never happened? No, this did come out in... uh, Did it? Yes, July of 1996 and then it ended this did not last for very long it was being tested as they say in America um, at this point in late 95 Um, they were hoping it says here to bring it to Europe in spring 95 but it would wind up taking until the summer of 96 before it actually hit Europe and then it ended worldwide at the end of 97 so it was a very short run but yeah I was simply shocked to discover that it even existed at all because it sounds like just reading this here now, reading this as yeah. a piece of text written in winter of 1994, it sounds impossible. Yeah. It sounds like Star Trek. Yeah. So the the idea of what this was was... How do they describe it? For a monthly fee, the Sega Channel will provide you with access to 24-hour Sega TV World. News of upcoming games, gameplay tips, Sega competitions, and special promotions will be available to you. And best of all, subscribers will be given a special adapter cartridge which plugs into your Mega Drive, thus allowing the viewer to select and download a variety of complete games to play on. Witchcraft. It sounds like a dream come true. How could a Mega Drive cartridge do that? I still kind of don't know. Uh, Well, I, I looked it up. The answer is essentially, because Sky Television did exist, so we did have that at this point. It's essentially, yeah, you plug your Mega Drive in through the coaxial cable. 
Uh-huh. And then the cartridge is essentially an adapter that interacts with that when you put it in. And, and it's only through those things together can you access sure, yeah. this. And see, the word download has certain connotations mm. today. But essentially, yes, you can select from like a, 50 games were up mm. a monthly. 50 different games monthly was how Amazing. it worked. 50 different titles a month? What? Yeah, well, they, they rotated. There were, I should say, there okay, were always sure. 50 and they rotated on a monthly basis, Still. I believe. Um, and I think before the end, it went up to 70, and they rotated bi-weekly, if I remember what God. I read correctly. But yeah, you could download them to the cartridge, but the trick was, and this is the big trick, mm-hmm. was you couldn't save anything. When you turned the okay. system off, the cart was wiped. So you didn't keep anything in an offline Still, state. though, you've got still, so many... Still, though, sorcery. I yeah. can't... I mean, even though, even though yeah. I read all this technical information, I'm like, no... Yeah. We couldn't do that in our houses yet. Yeah, because that's like that's like Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> it's 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 yeah, I mean You've got access to that, this massive yeah. library of games and it's just too many games and you can do But on a the mega Okay, putting aside our like adult ability to sniff out spin. You know, the, the way it talks about there being, you know, access to a 24-hour Sega TV world with news of upcoming games, gameplay tips, there I'm imagining, if I don't know any better, you know, Games Master and Bad Influence type stuff sure, running yeah. all the time on a channel. Plus, this magic cartridge that somehow pulls free games out of the airwaves, that's how I would have imagined it then. So, mm-hmm. it's weird to me that I never latched on to this idea. I don't yeah. remember being excited about yeah. it. I don't remember seeing potential in it. Uh, I have no memory of the Sega channel until no. I read about it while researching the games that never came out in recent months in for the news zone. I, I swear I didn't think this came out. Yeah, it sounds like you assume reading this that yeah. it didn't happen or it happened in yeah. some wildly diluted because that's very common for the news zone for them to spin and overhype. But no, it did exactly what this says God. it was going to do. I thought that it just came out in America because they, yes, we had Sky, but they had cable, and that mm. was in some way different. I thought maybe this I don't needed. Really understand why, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I thought this needed the cable, you know, to work. But like, apparently not. Apparently, it worked. It can't. This stuff. Surely, it's an exaggeration that there's like a twenty-four hour Sega TV world. That just means teletext, right? There's just pages. Well, you know, of I think when it says that, I think all it means is you could do it at any time of the day. I don't think there was programming. On your TV, yeah. Yeah, I just think it means, you know, you you can now do this anytime around the clock. But it's the bit about the news of upcoming games, gameplay tips, Sega competitions, and special promotions. So there must have I been something. I think it's a kind of teletext thing. Yeah, it must have been, I think it? that was the venue through which information was provided and competitions yeah. and news. Four and pages of adverts that are available. Yeah, yeah, you, like that, yeah. yeah. But mental. Huh. Utterly hmm. hat stand. And to pull an old term from the past. And the big thing is, because of the nature of it, where it was unpreservable, you know, we couldn't record off Mega Drives. And the cartridges were, you know, wiped whenever you turned the power off. There's no... It's unpreserved. Like, it's just... Mm -hmm. A weird lost thing that we all know happened. Well, apparently we all know it happened. We didn't. But, yeah. Wild. Absolutely fascinating. God. Wow. And then the rest of the new zone is fairly yeah, normal. Right. They're telling us that Rystar is coming out, or is it Ristar? Ristar. I pronounced it Rystar for the longest time yeah. until early on in the life of this podcast when they mentioned it at some point. 
or we mentioned it. Yeah. I decided to go and look up how it was spelled in Japanese. Right. To see how you're supposed to pronounce it. And it's Ristar. Ristar. Huh. A funny one, because I remember this. I remember this push to be like, it's going to be the new Sonic. It's yeah. kind of, in a different way to other stuff like Zool or whatever, where they're like, the next Sonic. This one kind of was meant to yeah. be the next Sonic. This was a good game. I played this. Was it? This, this was uh, my yeah. question, yeah. Um, I'm amazed it's not on the Mega Drive Mini. It feels oh. like... You know, for a system with like 40 games or whatever, that feels like one of a very small number of notable absences from that bit of kit. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? They should put it on. It's not like it's tied up with some big franchise or something. Mm. It's just Sega, yeah. I mean, he was... I think I think if Ristar had a problem is that he just came a bit too late in the life of the Mega Drive. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, all our jokes about uh, yeah, the yeah. life of the Mega Drive and timeline-wise aside, he came out in 95... At a point, you know, when the new platforms were arriving, the the I mean, he was obviously positioned, and they, they a challenger for Sonic. The subline says here, you know, Sonic's big trilogy, four games, whatever, you know, is over now. His he's had his mm-hmm. hurrah on the sixteen bit systems, and it did, yeah, Ristar did feel like he was kind of positioned to come in and be the next thing, but sixteen bit systems were were on the way out. So yeah, yeah, I think that's just the reason that he's not more remembered than he should be, and he would have been a great STC strip as well. Mm, yeah, he has that energy about him and then daffy does tinseltown yet another looney tunes tie-in game we heard this one mentioned in last issue's news zone yeah I think. daffy duck in hollywood and he's and the whole setup is like an episode you know yosemite sam is a hollywood movie director in this one mm. he's had his his oscars stolen by the mad professor duck brain who i'm not sure weird who that is. yeah and you're just bouncing around as daffy duck playing that and then short bursts <gasps> Not even anything interesting in the short bursts, nope. honestly. Clay Fighter's coming from Interplay for the Mega Drive. Yeah. Road Rash 3 is coming for the Mega Drive. And I do enjoy the headline of the last bit, though. 32X! The games are coming! It's like, <laughs> finally, <laughs> somebody made some games for the 32X. January 1995 sees some yeah. serious software hitting those shelves for Sega's new supercharged add-on, the Mega Drive 32X, joining the Doom, the Virtua Racing Deluxe, and Star Wars Arcade titles currently available. Gosh, was that it? Were they really only... Oh my god, Those maybe. three games, was that it available for the 32X? Well, there are only... There were only, like... 40 32x games altogether weren't there i mean that seems like a lot i would have said 14 (laughs) i would 36 in america 27 in pal regions 18 in japan and one game exclusive to brazil 40 distinct titles overall though i doubt wikipedia is including sonic 2's special edition in that count joining them will be an ace beat-em-up cosmic carnage never heard of it can't have been that ace and the old arcade shoot 'em up afterburner. Both of these did come out. I oh. checked it, and shockingly, shockingly, they did. Oh. But I did have to chuckle. Cosmic Carnage looks to breathe new life into console fighting games. Oh no! It were dog shit. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was reviewed badly at the time. <laughs> Doctor Robotnik. A day in the life of Robotnik, written by Mark Miller. Art by Mike Hadley, letters by Ellie DeVille. We get a documentary-style look at a typical day for Dr. Robotnik as he captures Sonic's friends to lure the cool blue one into a dastardly trap, only for it all to meet with failure, just like every other day. Love this. Mark Miller? Yeah, Mark Miller! Mark Miller? What the heck? Immediately saw Mark Miller's name. First thing I did was... 
count the number of pages because I'm like, is this some kind of leftover Sonic strip? You know, like a funny sort of, right, yeah. hey, it's a Sonic strip, but it's not Sonic. Yeah. But it is only six pages long, not mm-hmm. seven. No, but, but six is still a weird number. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's normally five. Or... Strips are either, it's either five or four. And seven for Sonic. So six is a weird number. Yeah. Yeah. The whole tone of the thing does feel... It feels of a piece with Miller's early stuff. Badniks mithering amongst themselves about how much (laughs) trouble they're going to get in. We have animal friends being captured, except it's Porker in his leathers. Yeah, it feels weird, you know? Yeah, with his hands, with all of his fingers and not even gloves Mm. on. Oh yeah, because this is Mike Hadley artwork, but he's got his hands. Okay, look. This whole thing, which we haven't mentioned yet... The opening page to this Mm. is amazing. The first panel is Dr. Robotnik skipping down a path among the merry little rabbits. He's got flowers in his hand. He's got doves flying around him. There's a rainbow. There's musical notes. He's got a flower crown. He's got a thing around his neck saying peace. There's a sun with a smiley face. And (laughs) the caption is, Dr. Robotnik frolicked and danced among his favorite wildflowers. It was a perfect day. He merrily played with his furry little friends until he became quite dizzy and had to stop. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it reads very genuine as a sort of British kids book spoof, doesn't it? Gosh, that was fun. How about a hug for your fave eco-friendly scientist? The world loved Dr. Robotnik, and in turn his heart blossomed with joy for the world. The animals all agreed that he was the sweetest man on the planet Mobius. And of course, it's a nightmare he's having. <laughs> but it, but the whole first page is dedicated to the bit, and I love it. Yeah. Do you know what I don't love, though? What? Oh, these haunted straw dolls that are supposed to be rabbits. Yeah, I know. What? Oh, they're awful. I mean, and this is what I was just saying earlier in the issue about how Hadley has had some problems with what are supposed to be the animal friends. Oh, no. Oh, we've seen these terrible rabbits before in Cam and Bert, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, funny, though, because like... I love the, the artwork in this way above Cam and Bert. I like, I've, that mm-hmm. is my complaint about the art in this issue, and that's my only complaint. Apart from that, it's all quite snazzy, it's all interesting and readable, and there's angles, and there's colours, and all sorts of stuff. And the script is great! Yeah, yeah, it's a solid one from from Miller. Yeah, he's because he's kind of playing the game here, he's writing a proper Sonic script. Uh, The jokes are thick and fast. He doesn't have to do any faux cool stuff. No. Coming at it from this slightly misanthropic angle of Dr. Robotnik as the protagonist is well suited to a Mark Miller comedy strip. He's doing the egg stuff! Again, feels old. You know, feels like slightly older. Yeah. Mother always told me to go to work on an egg. And the camera pans out to show an entire table of hard-boiled eggs, each one in their own little cup. But only eggs that have been produced inhumanely and the egg running down his face and then we cut to this massive monstrosity that's like an engine chugging covered in pipes coming out of it and it's like this horrible robot chicken thing with like a detached head a headless chicken you could say that's probably the gag and it's his electronic battery hen and I mean the joke there is just battery hen he put electronic in to make it land but like Brilliant! This thing is this weird factory machine that's somehow or creating organic rotten eggs that it is laying, and it's going squawk, and it's just this horrible idea, and I love it. Yeah, oh, this like they're GMO eggs, or yeah. something like artificially synthesized in there somehow, somewhere deep in the heart of the Robotnik complex. Here we see where he's getting all his eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the secret of the eggs is revealed. 
A typical day is spent designing deadly traps for the animals of Mobius. Yes. You see him sketching and scribbling. At the and then, like, some, of, some of the doodles that we see of plans have like atomic pea shooter and yes. power pack Y fronts. Yeah, which is, a, <laughs> which is a diagram of like basically it's just a big pair of Y fronts in the sky with massive extending legs that are marching around. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, I love this. This is just like the Megadroid comic from last issue. But robotic. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it, it's it's a sort of behind-the-scenes approach. Yeah. Like, the idea is that there is a, a documentary crew yeah. that Robotnik is speaking to at some points. And just the... God, this is what we wanted out of... Or at least it's a kind of midpoint of what we wanted. Out of Sonic's world, isn't it? Yeah. This yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Good point, yeah. It is what happens in the world of Sonic around and outside of Sonic himself. And, like, information, but here it's presented as a joke. It's a mockumentary rather mm. than actual kind of documentary-type stuff that the original I mean, series yeah, of Sonic's world was. I mean, yeah, think about it even more. It's like, this is the sort of thing Cam and Bird should have been. Yes! A sort of mockumentary behind-the-scenes-below-decks type yeah. thing that we talked about at the time, yeah. And here it's being presented as a Dr. Robotnik strip for some reason. Well, not for some reason. I mean, it is a strip about Dr. Robotnik. It is, and I love it. They hadn't got to the point yet where Sonic's world just meant another Sonic story. Yeah. So it's its own thing in that regard. And then these badniks that we see for the rest of the strip. Has Mike Hadley just designed these himself? No, um... I looked at them and I thought, those are from Sonic 3. And I, I was right, they are from, mm-hmm. from Sonic 3. But my memory was of them being mantis. They're the ones that pop out of the ground yeah. in the Marble Garden Zone in, in Sonic 3. Yeah. But they look kind of like, they look more like, like sort of crickets with their legs up in the air like that. Um, and they were mantises in the game. And um, I, I look, this this is this is truly fantastic. And again, it, okay. it speaks to the... The Sonic 3 manual printed the artwork of the bad Nicks upside down. And what? Hadley has interpreted oh no! What? Here. <gasps> yeah. Because they've got okay. So the way the way this badnik really looks is that it's like it mostly looks like a mantis, right? But it's a kind of no, a... no um, sickles, no sickle arms that you would expect on a mantis. Yeah. No, not like the ones. It doesn't look as much like a mantis as the ones it, the slicers in the Metropolis yeah. Zone. It's okay. Imagine a kind of a little cluster of robot. Anyway, but the main thing on it is it's got these two big, long pole legs that stick down, that it stands on. I mean, it's, these it's a grasshopper. It, I don't know. Like, yeah. It's called a mantis in America, but it's called a hopper in Japan. It's <gasps> okay. clearly based on a grasshopper. Okay, so, that makes way know, more sense. Sega of America, it wasn't infallible. But, but here, <laughs> the, the thing, it has the spikes pointing upwards into the air at almost mm. all times, except where they use it on the first panel where you see them to hold an egg. So it's got its mm. spikes underneath it there. The rest of the time, they're up above their heads. Reading it, I was thinking... What's happening here? Is it like jumping and, and its legs are like swinging upwards or whatever? Are you telling me that this is just... I never knew that it printed the badniks upside down in the Sonic 3 manual. Let me find just that. Just this one. Just this one. Just one <gasps> goof. Oh my god. <laughs> they printed the artwork for the Mantis upside down. Wow. So instead of sitting there with its backwards cricket legs, the legs have become... It's almost like the legs... I mean, he hasn't... Like what were previously like feet have now been like reimagined by Hadley as spikes pointing into the air because they aren't feet because he was just working off of up artwork that was upside down yeah. but it's almost as if um you know the mantises click their legs around and yeah. into like a flight position and yeah, yeah, swing yeah. them back over the head and point them forward for aerodynamics and it is kind of a cool idea for, yeah, for them it, it to do is that actually i that's what i always sort of assumed because then as you say whenever they capture porker and this other dog chap the legs swing 
I'll you know do a, do a 360 and swing round and point forward underneath to yeah. hook them under the armpits and carry them off. Wow. Now give me a second because I'm now clicking through the Sonic 3 manual trying to find it. Oh my god. I know. They're those little grasshoppers that jump over you in Marble Garden. Okay, I'm now looking at the upside down version of Mantis and yeah, that is absolutely what Mike's drawn here and it does function as a design for a robot. Like that it looks mm, cool. It does. Upside down. Like and I don't just mean in this comic, I mean in the manual, the upside down picture. You're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, cool, that's a robot. Yep. Ha ha ha. <laughs> well, there you go. You learn something new every day. Eh? You do. This is an educational podcast with an extremely narrow focus. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth is the pyramid room that Robotnik is sitting in on page five? Yeah, I have genuinely no idea. It seems like maybe in... I don't know. I don't know. He's sitting <laughs> in a room that's like... He's just sat on a kind of a big gun or pipe or something. He's just sitting on a metal doohickey he's made. It's a metal version of a log. He's supposed yes. to be like he's supposed he's sitting on a metal version of a log yes. on a metal version of a lawn in oh, front yeah, of a it's metal got little version of a tree. Spikes coming up. And it says keep off my grass or else he's got a sign. And there's some metal flowers there with like cable stems in behind him. And behind him there's metal rolling hills, two metal pyramids, and just a picture of a sunset or the sun. Hanging up. It's an artificial park, as it were. It's yeah. like an indoors park where you can go to pretend like he's been outside. Yeah. But he doesn't because it's evil and cold and metallic and heartless. But it's just is. this one panel. There's no never mentioned again. There's no context no for context it. No context yeah. for it. That just is where he is in this panel where it says, Robotnik's dashed attempts to set a track for Sonic are getting to him. And Abadnik says, he did it again, your nastiness. Sonic freed the prisoners. Grr, to the melting pots with those useless badniks. And then, I love this. Yeah, I, I adore <laughs> this bit where we see the badniks. A splats again a there. Sadly loved the splats. Being melted down uh, to make better badniks, you know. Thrown into a pit of lava off a big sort of pier. Big smelting pit. As a penguinator goes in, yeah. it goes, Praise the compassion of Dr. Robotnik! <laughs> <laughs> like, that's good. You know, I like that. I, I think, I, I, even though it's probably just that Mike Hadley's got his list of badniks and he's just drawing a splats, <laughs> I quite like the sort of the idea that splats is the one being thrown into the lava first because he was <laughs> yeah. destroyed. It, you know, it came as a big surprise to me when I learned that splats wasn't actually in the game. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had to go back and incredulously play the game to check when I first heard because he was so much a native part of the marketing around Sonic at the time. It was in yeah, the comics. Over here. Yeah. yeah, there was a plastic figure of it. I mean, and, and that plastic right, yeah. figure hasn't even come out yet by this point, I don't think. So it wasn't just some early artifact or whatever. Weird little leftover. Yeah. I'm sure like line art of him appeared in like random places too, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then the closing scene here, which, well, sorry, the penultimate scene. I love this as well. This is really good. Dr. Robotnik spends his leisure time festering with hatred in his secret lab. <laughs> and it's just, um, in his lab, we see he has this huge, yeah. monstrous, sonic shaped badnik. Yeah. And it's like, he keeps this, and he keeps it special, yes. and this is what he's going to do to Sonic. On the day he finally gets him, this is what he's going to slap him inside. This one special badnik he's built and has had in reserve all this time. The greatest badnik of them all. And he talks to the badnik as if it were Sonic. Not even a rodent's luck lasts forever. One day you'll slip up and I'll be waiting. Yes... One day, I'll turn you into the greatest badnik of them all. 
is real good. I really like it. Yeah. It's a little layer of menace just to end yeah. up what is otherwise quite a funny strip. <laughs> and then this picture of him, like, red-faced, uh, you know, sweating as he's sitting up in bed reading true teen romance. Yes, this is our final comedy beat. Dr. Robotnik retires for bed and unwinds with a soppy book and a mug of cocoa. And it turns out he's, like, sitting up in bed reading true teen romance. I thought you'd gone. Oh, the shame. Yeah. And the caption says, what? What is this? Could the evil doctor have a soft side to his character? The end. But don't be fooled. Now, have we seen this drawing before? It looks so familiar, the drawing of him in bed. We haven't seen it before, but it will be used in the future for, um, <laughs> I think it's the subscription advert or something. Yes. Where they mask an image of Sonic the Comic itself over oh, the Teen Romance book. Brilliant. So it's like, even Robotnik reads. Oh. Like I don't know when they start doing it, but yeah. All right, that explains it. <laughs> and there is a comic about Robotnik. I like it. It's such a weird one, honestly, because it's an. It does feel like an artifact from slightly earlier in the comics history. Yeah. But it's one that fits in well now because even as a comedy side piece mm. story about Robotnik, it fits well with the comics' current depiction of Robotnik yeah. as the evil overlord, like controlling things from afar, viewing down, having secret labs, you know. and um, it, it blends good comedy with like moments of like genuine menace. Yeah. And these bizarre and fascinating ideas that are here and gone in a second like the artificial park pyramid room where he goes to reflect from during his day and stuff like that <laughs> no it's a surprisingly good one i have to say i didn't have any particular memories of it being great when i went into it but no oh, that's a good one yeah what's the it's q zone q zone but it's it's the second part of their jungle book special so what we have looks at first like it's a poster because it says poster prower question mark in big letters and it's just a great big picture of sonic doing something but it's covered in writing and it turns out to be an advert for a poster (laughs) in a way yeah because well it is either poster or a piece of art from the poster yes it's cut off it's it's one of these you'll have to buy it to see the full picture adverts yeah tails joins sonic on this spectacular giant poster in sonic the poster mag number nine but you'll have to buy it to see him plus a complete all action story on sale now one pound 75 so wow we're fizzing with excitement to see tails on a poster. The ninth and final <gasps> issue of the poster mag. Oh, there we on go. On sale now. I thought maybe it stretched into January, but no, December was the final one. So that marks the end <laughs> of Sonic the Poster Mag. <laughs> so um, what that means is we should have a special episode for you where we finally go back and look at all the poster mags we haven't looked at yet. Yes, soon. Keep an eye out for that. Marco's Magic Football, Part 2, written by Lou Stringer, with art by Gary Andrews and letters by Ella Tafel. The mutated sludge monster policeman is compelled to head down into the sewers, and Marco follows. He's watched all the way by the creators of the sludge, the evil Colonel Brown and his scientist lackey, as he contends with sewer-dwelling spiders, rats, and... dinosaurs? Uh, <laughs> I like a bit of and now this cartoon fun and I can reading this I can feel Gary Andrews pen in my hand do you know what I mean like yeah absolutely I draw a bit like this and I can sort of tell how the lines happened if that makes sense making round no, shapes out of slicey straighter shapes that's certainly something I do sometimes 
But it makes me wonder why Lou wasn't drawing this. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, right yeah. up his alley. Like, we even know... I don't, have you seen this? I just saw it myself this week, yeah. We even know that Lou did, at one point, audition to be an mm. artist for STC, a Sonic artist, very early on. He did a good job of it, in my opinion. Although, it didn't fit the eventual style, as he'll... No, no, it was... As he'll tell you himself. Well, it was a bit early Archie. It looked a bit early Archie, is yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, he was drawing something that lent a bit more toward the funny side of funny animal comics than they went with in the end. But no, he'd have been perfect for this, so I guess he must have just been busy. Mm. I enjoy Colonel Brown in this. I don't mm. know why. I, I mean, he's such... It's like... Like, it's such a Brit comic kids adventure type thing to have the body be like a colonel or a baron or something like that. And he's like, he looks like a ringmaster also for some reason. And he's got an eye patch. Well, it's not an eye patch. It's like one of the lenses of his glasses is, yes. is black yeah. and his little pencil thin mustache and everything. And it's a collection of generic tropes, but it's like, you can imagine him being voiced by Tim Curry in a yeah. very sort of shrill, high-pitched way. An intruder! Why is that boy trespassing beneath my town? <laughs> Time. Yeah. Town. <laughs> he will have to be dealt with at once. I'm trying to find out if this is a character from the actual game. I know that this... Oh, it is. I don't know if the character design is, but ah. the character of Colonel Brown is from the game. Yeah. I know that, like, policemen on bikes are from it. That much mm. I can tell you. Certainly the rest of the strip is obviously full of creatures that are baddies. For, like, we had the bees very randomly last issue, and we have spiders and rats, and the dinosaurs must be. Yeah. Must, otherwise. <laughs> like, that's how the strip ends. It's just, there are dinosaurs in the sewers, and then that's the joke we have. You say, I'm lost, and I'm being eyeballed by rats. <laughs> and there's a groar. Rats don't usually growl, do they? Oh, they're only dinosaurs. What am I seeing? What am I seeing, Pip? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the game, and uh, sure enough, the last boss is that guy. Although he seems to be in a kind of robot suit or Oh, un undoubtedly. Suit. In fact, now that you've said that, I am pretty sure he gets kitted out with that for the final part of this comic strip. Uh, well, not Robotnik style. Not he's driving a mech. It's literally just some clothes. Yep. Yeah, now that you've said that, an image has pinged into my mind of... <laughs> the final yeah. chapter of this strip. Right, right, right. Jolly good share, my evil scientific genius. <laughs> Tim Curry noises. You know those noises. Yeah, the Tim, Tim Curry, Curry noises. noises. <laughs> 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 that only Tim Curry can make. <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> 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 Should we just keep making it's that? It's the Tim Curry off. <laughs> a cheese pizza. Space. Is there anything else to talk about this actual comic? <laughs> Not really. I don't think so. <laughs> I guess when you think about it, this is the only time in STC that Stringer will be tasked with writing the comic book air quotes adaptation of another game. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Otherwise, he'll just write. Um, Sonic strips? I think so, yeah. So, when you think about it that way, you do see how he's... That's really, really what he's doing here. Yeah. We're going through the sewer level where there are spiders and rats and... Yeah, he's taking us on a bit of a tour around the game. <laughs> Speed lines! Speed lines! <laughs> Hit me one time! <laughs> Come up to the lab. <laughs> Speedlines. Speed lines. Okay, so we've got speed lines today. 
our letters page. Oh, letters? Has someone been writing letters to Father Christmas? No, they've been writing them to Sonic the Comic. Oh. All right, well, that's still less work for me then. I'm just still wrapping these presents and being completely normal and Father Christmas. Ding dong merrily on high. What was that? I'm wrapping Boomer's presents. What was that about being normal? Ding dong merrily. What do you mean? Nothing. I'm just wrapping. I'm wrapping Boomer's presents. Gloria. Hosanna in excelsis. Wait a minute. What? Hang on a minute. Oh my god. What was that again? Nothing. Get out of here! Get out of here! We don't want you in but this I'm podcast. For the crit- oh, all right. I'll have my revenge on you and that sniveling blue hedgehog. Lost. Flipping hedgehog. David. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's that story now. Listeners keep on listening through that. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got then? We've got some Christmassy drawings, and here he is, look, from Thomas Whitehead of Livingston Scott. That is a pseudonym, by the way. That's not the real name. Thomas Whitehead, his real name's Thomas Brian Whitehead, because we've seen him before, because here he is drawing in MS Paint again. That's the same fella. It's the same It is, I mean, fella. I recognised it as a piece of computer art, but I didn't realise it was, I didn't go back to look to compare no, it. Well, I did when I noticed the textures on his gloves. This is our talented friend, who, oh yeah, look, the gloves are flipped horizontally. He knows his tricks. Oh, yeah, look at that. And he's drawn a picture of Dr. Robotnik dressed up as Father Christmas. Ah, oh, you see, I should have recognised from his big orange moustache that it wasn't Father Christmas. I've that been was duped. a trick, you see. Yeah. But I just got into the spirit of things. Unfortunately, this is an audio medium, yeah, exactly. so you have no way of knowing. Exactly, see? <laughs> they, yeah, the, the listeners will have been fooled anyway. They'll have been completely fooled. They'll have thought that it was really yeah, Father Christmas. That really Santa had come in to, yeah. to, to visit the podcast and not you doing a voice no, at all. No, And then uh, Kevin Bowen in Shropshire has drawn an interesting one. It's... Either Tails the Christmas tree, or it's Tails having smashed into a Christmas tree. See, this is the sort of artwork you would get in this stupid comic for children all the time that just makes no blessed sense. And it's like, here's a thing, and I've put Sonic's head on it. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm going to say that this is Tails having careened into a Christmas tree. I'll tell you my clues. Number one, so Tails' face is just on the front of the Christmas tree. But he looks yep. a little bit dazed. He's not got a smile on his face. He's looking a bit... Ooh, he's got one of those tilde mouths. I mean, I think that's a bold assumption, but okay. That's what I'm going with. Number two, his tails are sticking out of the back and have yes. speed lines on them. Oh, I didn't see the speed no, lines. No, me neither you know till what? just now. You're probably so he's right. come I'm going to give in. it to you, Dave. I'm going to say you're right. I'll tell you something else I didn't notice until just now. It's not his tails. It? It's his tails from the tails logo with their alternating colours. Oh, yeah. He hasn't literally drawn the logo, but he has copied the colours of the logo, as it were. Yeah. Yes. So one of the tails, uh, the colours are reversed with a white tail and an orange tuft. There you are. In the letters, Michael Walker from Farnborough wants to know what's happened to Sonic's pals Johnny Lightfoot and Porker Lewis. They used to look so cute and cuddly, but now they both wear biker jackets and look like punks. Yeah, they do. Those punks. I mean, it's a valid question. Yeah, strange answer from Megadroid who says, Mickey, are you suggesting that no self-respecting freedom fighter should be seen without an gulp anorak? Now, that'll need some translating, I think. Yeah, I mean, I get it. In that sense, but I don't get it. So, yeah, um, 
Anorak. So in real life, it's just a coat, right? It's just a, just coat. a kind of yeah, coat. Just a coat. I must what confess, I'm not exactly sure what kind of coat it is that differentiates it from other coats, but it's a coat. A cold weather coat. A puffy coat. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. But for whatever reason, it had become inseparably synonymous with train spotters and... I mean, it's because you have to stand out in the cold and the bad weather watching trains okay. and birds and... Okay, I guess. And then by extension... Just like know-it-alls, just just nerds, yeah. just people who are yeah, gonna... Yeah, anorak became a shorthand term for a nerd. Yeah, and yeah, you didn't even say nerd. You said, oh, he's a bit of an anorak. Bit of an anorak. And you might yeah. you might qualify with that, like, oh, he's a bit of an anorak about... Da, 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 da. Mm. I, it's an odd thing that happened, and it, it really was ubiquitous, and then it just stopped. It really did, didn't it? You just yeah. don't hear it anymore. Hear I remember being called an anorak oh, in, really? a, in a magazine review of one of the Transformers DVD sets <laughs> I did an audio commentary for. Oh, so yeah, I'm a Transformers anorak in that regard. So I mean, you totally are. 2000s. You are absolutely, oh, absolutely yeah. a You are a Transformers anorak, I'm here to tell you. And I didn't contest the point. <laughs> <you know. laughs> But uh, that's late too. That's mid to late 2000s. We're into there. It culminated oh. in, uh, I believe the name was Chris Jarvis on Children's BBC showing up in full costume, big anorak, like sideburns, plastic on his face, big bottleneck glasses, and he would sit in the broom cupboard on Children's BBC going, I know! As the anorak <laughs> in a, a sort of a quiz where, you know, they would ask quiz questions to a child on the phone, and if the anorak got it first, then, uh, then the anorak got it first. Like Challenge Ant, but before that. <laughs> Contender ready? Yeah. Good. Are you ready, Anorak? Oh, no! Restart the clock. What super action adventure series comes back to our screens on Saturday evenings at 6.15? Yes! Superman! Well done. One point to you, Jen. Good going so far. Which top BBC One soap has just celebrated its 10th anniversary? I know! I know! I was so loud in my... It was me. It was me. I don't know if it... Adjudication on that, please. We think it was the Anorak. EastEnders. Yeah. Well, I have to give him that one, Jenny. I'm sorry, but you're almost there. I'm eating a digestive. Sorry about that. I know. You've just crammed it in there. Just There's only two in. letters left to go, and you're just breaking the flow of the podcast with your biscuits, taunting me with them. I could, I'd like a digestive. You know? Well, you should have one. But you don't think about me, do you? No, I don't. Not in sight. <laughs> you should have a digestive. I won't mind. I'd have to go down the stairs. Well, Break the flow of the show. See, that's your Let's own problem. I've kept my biscuits here. next to where I am, so... <laughs> If I had a pack of digestives next to me doing this <laughs> podcast, it would just be, well, I really enjoyed Richard Elson. Excuse me. So it's an act of marvellous self-control. Richard Elson's art on this. <laughs> <laughs> Janade Qureshi from North Wales. No, I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of the town in Wales that they're from. Asks, why does Dr. Robotnik never shave off his moustache? And Megatroid replies, oh, horrifically, it's probably so that it irritates everyone when he kisses them. Now that's a thought. <laughs> yep, Megatroid there fantasising about kissing Dr. Robotnik. Um, hey! <laughs> whole lot of Knuckles, dear Megadroid, please, can you tell me whether STC will be doing a Sonic and Knuckles special Q-Zone featuring level cheats and tips, asks Frankie Pitts of London, Megadrive owner. Fear not, Frankie, says Megadroid. Your queries will be laid to rest in the next issue. In fact, you'll also be able to get game guru David Gibbon's opinion on Sonic and Knuckles in STC42's review zone. Oh, well. I think it means 43 treat. there, for this is 42. Well done. <laughs> well, but, well, um, done. <laughs> well done, chaps. But uh, at least that gives us something to talk about in the queue zone. Yeah, we'll finally have something to talk about there. <laughs> I mean, let's see if they get it as bad as they did the Sonic 3 one, but <laughs> I can't think of anything in the Sonic and Knuckles that's just as bad as not mentioning the Carnival Night Barrel. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. And then that sort of brings us to the end, but even the end here is a real... <laughs> 
Hmm, it's a it's a kerfuffle. So well, <laughs> we've got a pinup. They had a page spare, so they've put a pinup on the inside back cover where the next issue Makes page sense. normally goes. And it's a quite a nice little pinup too, a Ferran Rodriguez Knuckles. It's an odd one. It's perfectly nice, but it kind of looks not quite enough like Knuckles for my liking. So I think it's because he's got a round Sonic head with little spikes coming off it instead of a Knucklesy shaped head with big spikes coming off it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's fine, you know, for someone who's just been introduced to Knuckles as a concept, that's fine. But it is what I was referring to earlier. He is just standing in a background, so it's it's not yeah. as good as the Christmas tree one. Knuckles the Echidna, that's spiny anteater to you. Yes! There they are, still on about the spiny anteater thing. I'm pretty sure it's echidnas to me. Yeah. <laughs> no collar either, you know. Oh, yeah! Hmm. So that's on the inside back cover where the next issue page would normally yeah. go. And then the next issue page is on the page opposite that. Speed lines normally goes mm. there, but in this double-sized issue they've moved things around a bit. But they haven't thought it through <laughs> very well. Because the design remains the same. It, yes, the design is unchanged. Other times when they've moved where the next issue page is, they changed the design of it, but they didn't do that this time. So this means that the data strip is included to be cut off, except the data strip is the side of the page that's stapled. The, so the you can't cut the data strip off. You cut the you cut the bit of the page with all the next issue info off instead. Yeah. It's supposed to be on the outside of the page, but they've put it on the inside. You end up in just a heap of cut out bits. <laughs> next issue it says Blast Off STC returns to 32 action packed pages. Badnik's Bridge, an explosive new Sonic story, and we've got some artwork from it here for uh, by uh, Casanovas. I'm always looking forward to a Casanovas one now. Yeah, looking well too. Yeah, he's got a flying airship in the background. He's got a trooper Badnik hanging by. An yeah, this is the one that introduces the SBS. Oh, I remember the SBS. Yeah. I, I look forward to finding out what they are. But he's got two extending arms, one of which he's like grabbing onto the bridge with, and then with the other, he's just turned it into a massive. Like it's. It, I'll give you a hint. It's to do with that. <laughs> He's got a, his arm is extended into a big pipe, that, and the end of which is a cage that Sonic's trapped in. So what's going on there? We shall find out. Or I will. Chris seems to know already. Plus, I remember. Knuckle it. sees red in carnal like conspiracy. Streets of rage. Fancy a rumble and tumble. Hey, hey, Ooh, wink, elbow. <laughs> Marco's magic football. The mystery deepens. STC 43, all the better to see the new year in with. Oh, God, it will. It'll be the new year. Mm -hmm. On sale Saturday, the 7th of January, £1.15, better value than ever. Ooh, I, the first issue of January, and we're all... Ooh, I, I see it's the snowball on the top of the hill. <laughs> it's about to cascade. It's all whoo, from here. Whoo, boomers. Is that, oh, you don't even know. That's 1994, then. Gone again. That's 1994. Been and gone done again. And gone. So that means we have been doing this show for about 18 months now. Oof. And this marks the end of our first full calendar oh. year. Honestly, there's something about this. Something about STCTP. I've been merrily able to just go back and live in this other time. And now it's frittering away again, Chris. It's happening again. It's catching up on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's. <laughs> You're experiencing the loss of innocence all over again. Yeah. It's like, this is a precious time that I've been really... I've, and I'm sure our listeners agree. It's been nice to sort of, in a way, have it back. And now it's finished again. I can't go back and do... There's no more 1993 issues. No more 1994 issues. I can't do Sonic the Comic the Podcast again. Because that would be pointless. 
<laughs> I mean, there are many years left to the series, sure, yeah. and hopefully to this podcast, yeah. you know, we are only a, a very small portion of the way into this thing's life. Yeah. Which is mad, because I know we've passed so many milestones already in 18 months. So many milestones, that's it. Doesn't it feel like we've passed, like, half the milestones? Well, this is, you know, I've said it several times at this point, but the golden age of what this comic was to us then, yeah. and what it is remembered as being, even by casual readers who haven't thought of it since they read it as kids, we are steeped in that right yeah. now. And we're building to the big climax of it over the course of the next year i just this whole thing you know i was thinking about christmas presents earlier and like this was just a great time i really loved <laughs> just i loved it in 1990s three through six they were great <laughs> i didn't have to do any complicated maths yet i mean you that's how you remember it anyway but i mean yeah. imagine if you had to go back and actually live them over again all the tiny cans from woolworths in the world <laughs> Imagine if you had to go back and live it through with the full knowledge of what the world was going to turn into in ten years' time. Are you, I can't decide if you're saying that that would be a favourable or unfavourable experience. Oh, the terrible foreknowledge. Doomed to be a little Cassandra the Hedgehog who knew the future but who nobody would listen to. <laughs> oh, no, I would do it. I would go back again. The 90s were a funny old time, you know. We, like, we've talked about the fun parts of it. You know, we've talked yeah. about the weird pop called Woolworths and that. Yeah. You know? But the 90s were a strange time taken in the larger context of the decades on either side of them. You know, mm. we were almost living through the end of history in the 90s. A lot of global peace in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> Gulf War had just ended and everything. No yeah. big, large, global-scale enemies. Dissolution of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Soviet Union had come to an end not long beforehand. Christmas on BBC One was nice. And then, you know, the 20th century happened and it all went to shit again, you know? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember we on, on the dot of 2000, me and all my friends and Abby were sitting around in a, one of my friend's house and we were celebrating, like first toilet roll on the head of the new millennium just daft stuff like that whatever we could come up with and my friend went no new wars this millennium and we were like yeah and maybe there won't ever be any new big terrible wars we said in the year 2000 <laughs> but 1995 from the perspective of little boy me who didn't have any responsibilities and didn't know what was going on in the news and didn't have to think about it, didn't have to pay any taxes. You know, you were you were young, but you weren't so young no. that you weren't aware of big-scale things like that happening. I mean, like, you know, the question is, what's the first big world event you remember living mm. through? And it, you know, for me, it's the Gulf War. Yes, but I didn't know what it was. No, I understood that it was about oil. Oh, I didn't. But that was really all I understood. I didn't you know? even know that. I just knew the words Gulf I War. I knew who the baddie was. He was in cartoons sometimes. <laughs> God, did I even yeah. know that? I think I was so willfully ignorant of anything important. <laughs> That's why I had such a good 90s. I'm not far behind you in that regard. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. What was my... Maybe it was Diana. Might have been my first one. Not that I was aware of, but that I knew what it was down to the ground, you know? Mm. Yeah, you knew what it meant when it yeah, happened. That could, yeah. Honestly, that could have been. Like, I remember being a kid and playing um, dingbats and, like, making my own dingbat. And my joke was, like, pole tax. And I'd written tax out of drawings of poles. But I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was a thing that grown-ups say on the boring old news. Yeah, no, I tuned it all out. Mm. Oh, I remember coming downstairs in the morning after it had happened and my mum telling me about it. Oh, uh, what, Diana? Yeah, yeah. I was in bed. My mum came up and said, and like, you know, I don't know if she woke me up or if I was awake and just sitting in bed, but she came up and told me about it. I was like, okay. And then she went, I just thought you'd want to know. Like, 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yes, I, no, I don't remember being very deeply impacted by it, but I remember, yeah. you know. And I remember the stuff that happened afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, that is still many, yeah. many episodes of this podcast. That's the many thing that hasn't even comic, And quite a few years off of happening from where we are now. But I mean, that's the larger stuff that we don't really talk about on this show, because yeah. at least up to this point. Well, I mean, unless you're reading Sonic the Hedgehog in Robotnik's Laboratory, where oh, God, Con yes. royalty makes references to Princess Diana's eating yeah. disorder. <laughs> um over on the Patreon, folks, if you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. But yeah, these are the aspects of popular culture and that haven't impacted this, you yeah. know. It wouldn't be uncommon to see things like that be referenced mm. and and, uh, and parodied in, in pop culture and in kids' comics and stuff, but the 90s was a strange time for that, where where we are right now, it was just uh, in this, I'll say it again, this sort of like the end of history, where we lived in this little bubble. Mm. Where things look like they might actually be all right. <laughs> yeah. For a minute there. Yeah. And hopefully, over the last uh, 18 months, you've enjoyed coming back and yeah. uh, and uh, shielding yourself inside that little bubble again for an hour and two every fortnight. And, and soon we'll be doing the same with, with 1995. So, you know, thank you all for having listened with us oh, this God, long. Yeah. Dave and I have said before, I think if either one of us had independently embarked on this project, we probably wouldn't have gone yeah. this far with it. Yeah. But I think we're both pretty much in this shit for the long haul at this point. Yeah. Or at least until we get up to the point where we stop reading it as a kid and don't care anymore. <laughs> but that's a ways off yet. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, don't tell Chris, but that didn't happen to me, and he is in it right through to the end. Oh, you stopped reading at some point. No? You may have owned it, but you didn't love it. No, I, no. I literally never stopped reading. I mean, well, I, I stopped reading when they went full reprint, of course. Full reprint. Yeah, yeah, up till then, I never stopped. I never stopped. And you never have, in, in a, a sense. sense. <laughs> and you'll continue listening as we uh, ply on in to 1995. Uh, before we get to 1995, we think we will have a our special episode covering the remaining poster mm-hmm. mags up for you first. And then we're probably going to shuffle the schedule around a little bit. Just not not, not a big time. No, no, no. We're not going to keep you waiting or anything. (laughs) We're just going to squeeze that poster mag episode in there. And then when the next episode comes out, it should be within a day or two of its actual cover date release. So you'll be able to, like, really pretend that you're living in 95. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, whether it's the next episode or whether it's the poster mag special, if you're looking for it, you'll find it uh, everywhere that all good podcasts are available, or you can download it directly from stctp.wigglehe.com. You can follow the show on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast, or you can have a look at us separately. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am Chris McFeely. You can hear our editor Sam stuff at samgabrielvo.com. You can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash stctp, where you'll be able to get access to bonus videos of us talking about the Martin Adams Sonic novel and Dave's terrible teenage Sonic fan fiction. Our opening theme is synchronized by Sonic the Comic The Band, who you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. And we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast in 1994. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, and we will see you next next year. year.